is The Monty Show, the truth in sports talk streaming. When you want unbiased opinions about your favorite team without the spin, all you have to do is find The Monty Show, streaming live and available 24 hours a day, seven days a week on YouTube. And now, here's Monty. Hey, hey, The Monty Show on a football Friday. Good to be with you. Yes, let's line up the bucked up. We're going to need that today. As we get you ready for a massive weekend in college football, especially for the Pac-12. Can the Pac-12 put a team in the college football playoff? I think it is one of the biggest questions, I think, as they head out the door, whether it's in litigation or otherwise. uh, The Pac-12 is certainly in the national spotlight this weekend. What a wild finish in Houston Uh, as Dana Holgerson may well have saved his job on a Hail Mary last night uh, that I'm sure many of you saw. We have all of that coming up on the show, not to mention BYU and TCU. Um, I just think it is, and I know Texas and Oklahoma are off, and we have a lot of good bye weeks this this weekend, but I think there are so many big games. I think Colorado's game is a big game. Uh, I think that the the fact that Notre Dame is favored over USC speaks volumes. Are you surprised by that, that Notre Dame's favored in that game? Uh, I mean, you know, you, you look at it and it's going to be a game that doesn't have great weather. You know, it's supposed to be windy, cold, a little bit of rain. Like, you know, USC is an offensive first team, obviously. So, yeah, I mean, on brand recognition, it's a little surprising. But when you get down to football, it's not that surprising. Yeah, we'll talk about all of that on the Monty Show presented by the Advocates, theadvocates.com. And you guys were just two weekends away from Halloween, which is amazing in itself. I cannot believe that A, golf season's just about over. B, that we're looking at Halloween just two weeks away. And we have been working to get the word out that the Advocates are partnered again with The Road Home, one of the foremost homeless Uh, advocates in our country to provide Halloween costumes for homeless kids. And I just think it's such an important um, effort that we are all making right here. You see on the screen uh, is the advocates Venmo address. Uh, You can please, if you have a moment, just screenshot this uh, and send a dollar, $5, a hundred dollars, a million dollars, whatever you can spare Uh, This Venmo address on the screen is so important. If you're listening on our audio podcast, uh, Advocates Donations at Venmo. Advocates Donations at Venmo. And I'm serious when I say a dollar or five dollars. Anything you have makes such a big difference for homeless kids who are just trying to enjoy Halloween, uh, who are trying to find some normalcy, who are trying to find a couple hours not to think about where they're going to sleep tonight, where their next meal is going to come from so that they can go to school on Monday and show off all the Reese's uh, and hopefully it's white chocolate right. Reese's peanut butter pumpkins that they were able to procure Obviously in, their, the best. in their awesome costumes. A dollar, five dollars, whatever you can muster to give to the advocates, please do. In the uh, memo section, just put the Monty Show Halloween uh, or Homeless Halloween, whatever you want to come up with, that would be great. Uh, we thank you. The advocates thank you. Uh, the advocates, the best injury attorneys in the business, the presenting sponsors of the Monty Show. Chat with an attorney live online for free at theadvocates.com. Jake, your game of the week is what? Yeah, I mean, I think it's Oregon and Washington. I, I think it's got the most implications for the college football playoff. I think it's the game that decides whether the Pac-12 will have 
a team in the college football playoff. You know, honestly, I don't think USC has much of a chance at the college football playoff right now. Uh, obviously, as we were just kind of previewing and teasing, you know, this them not being favored in this game uh, kind of speaks to what people think about USC. And, and obviously, it's on the road for USC in South Bend. But I still think that, you know, just on brand recognition, it's a, it, it is a little bit surprising that USC isn't favored in that game. You would think with the offense and Lincoln Riley and the amount that they're able to produce, they would be favored, but they're not. And so the game of the week to me is Oregon and Washington. And I, and I, and I know that's a pretty straightforward answer. It's pretty easy to say that, but I just think there's so much on the line for these two teams. You know, you look at Oregon and I maintain that right now, Oregon is the Pac-12's best hope. I, I, I'm not saying that Washington is below them by any stretch of the imagination, but nationally, as far as a, a, a group of people sitting around a table at the end of the year talking about, well, what team from the Pac-12? Well, I think if Oregon can beat Washington, that's a that's obviously a signature win. That obviously puts them uh, in, in the driver's seat. And I think if Bo Nix can continue to complete 80% of his passes, he's going to continue to push his way into that Heisman conversation, but you got to win these kind of games. You got it. You have to show that you can control an opponent that's just as good as you are. So to me, I think the game of the week is 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 Oregon and Washington. But obviously, there are several other games that you know are are going to be really good. Yeah, I I don't think there's any question. It's Oregon and Washington, and I do believe that this is the the last best hope for the Pac-12 to get a college football playoff spot. And I, I think when you you look at this game with Oregon and Washington, I think Dan Lanning has to live up to it. I think it's critically important. It's on the road. It is clearly the biggest test of the season to date uh, for the Oregon Ducks. And I think Dan Lanning's built a really good football team here. He's clearly got buy-in from his players. Uh, all of his players rave about culture. They're going to wear terrible, ugly paint splatter uniforms. And it's just not going to matter because I think Oregon is playing good football. And if Oregon can win this game, I think they have a, a real chance to run the table and get into the college football playoff. But I think the bigger question is USC at Notre Dame. Because I, I am not at all convinced that USC is capable of, of running the table. In fact, I'm convinced they are not. And I think USC gets the benefit of the doubt in a lot of situations. I mean, you look at this line. Notre Dame is minus three, which means this is dead even because the home team in Vegas always gets three points. USC, who's given up 82 points in the last two weeks, is going to South Bend as a three-point dog. I think USC is going to win this game, and I don't care if it's a, if it's an absolute blizzard with whiteout conditions. USC's putting 35 points up on the board like they always do, and I think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in college football. They get the benefit of the doubt. They get the rubber stamp because of the USC brand. I think Dan Lanning and Oregon have to earn it, but I will say these are the two biggest games of the weekend. This is the one weekend where the Pac-12 has the entire spotlight to themselves. And I think a lot of it is that, yeah, the rest of the schedule is pretty flat. I mean, Arkansas and Alabama, I think that's a very interesting game, but is it the magnitude of an Oregon or a Washington? It's not. Is it the magnitude of an SC or a Notre Dame? It's not. Those are two huge matchups. And I think this SC-Notre Dame game is critically important for the USC and critically important for the Pac-12. If 
And imagine with everybody walking out the door in the Pac-12 in this Pac-2 versus 10 exiting schools, imagine if the Pac-12 gets a team into the college football playoff. The fight for that money is going to be unbelievable, and I guess at that point it would be settled. But those are the kind of things that are on the line this weekend for the Pac-12. If Oregon and USC lose this weekend, the Pac-12 loses. It's over. I don't see any other team in this conference and again, with all due respect to the quality that I think, um, you know, DeBoer and the, our friends up in Seattle have built, I just don't see the schedule being in favor of Washington running the table and getting into the college football playoff. I think Oregon and USC are the two teams in this league that have the quality, talent, and depth to get into the college football playoff. And that's why, Jake, I think this is the, the weekend of the year in the Pac-12. Yeah, and I think Marshawn Lloyd and Bucky Irving are the two guys that are going to make a difference for both of these teams. You know, you, you, you look at USC again, you know, being a dog on the road, and, and you look at this game, it's going to be a 6.30 kickoff. It's going to be cold. It's going to be rainy. You know, I, who's to say how bad it'll be in terms of the weather, but it's not going to be a bright, sunny day perfect conditions for high flying offense. And I think that, you know, th these games typically come down to who can control the clock. And, and I look at Oregon and I say, Hey, this is a team that, that, that has Bo Nix, a dual threat quarterback that can obviously uh, throw it really effectively, but he's going to need to run in this game. Cause I guarantee you right now, Washington is not going to allow you to just take shots whenever you want to. They are going to take away your best receiver. They're going to force you to check down and it's just a matter of what you're willing to do. And so I look at I look at Oregon, and, and, and I think that's their situation. But I also look at USC, and I think for USC, it comes down to protecting the football. You can't have any kind of bad turnover here. You can't have bad play calling. We need to establish the run early. We need to control the clock. And we need to take advantage of that Notre Dame defense. But doesn't USC tend to play up? I think USC loves these big environments. I think they have a bunch of, you know, lights, camera, action players, the least of which, you know, obviously is Caleb Williams, but he's lights, camera, action every weekend, which is why I say that. But I think USC plays up, and there are few bigger stages in college football than Notre Dame. And the line here is still, I am still really surprised. When you look at this line, it's minus three. The 60-point number is the number to pay attention to. You're talking about weather, and that's all well and good. This game's going way over 60. If it doesn't go over 60, Notre Dame's going to win the game. Uh, period, point blank. And you you go back to Duke. When they got Riley Leonard ran all over Notre Dame, he had like 90 yards in that game, I think. Mm -hmm. You look at Plummer doing the job, a journeyman quarterback doing the job uh, on, on Notre Dame, like, Caleb Williams is going to have a field day. This is going to be a performance that Caleb Williams, if he wins the Heisman Trophy, will look back and say, that Notre Dame game, that made a huge difference in being a back-to-back -back Heisman Trophy winner. These are the games you play for. They're going way over the 60 points. I, I agree the weather will be a factor. I do not, however, think that it is a detriment. Not to USC's offense. I'm very curious to see what USC can do defensively in the middle of the field. I'm curious to see how effective the run game for Notre Dame is. And I'm very curious to see what Sam Hartman's able to do in this game. I can't wait. I think it is going to be a thrilling game. I think it is going to be everything that we've wanted. And when you have a big afternoon game like Oregon and Washington and a big evening game like USC and Notre Dame, I think there are, there are few better weekends 
And yeah, I think US I think USC is going to boat race Notre Dame. Well, and and for Notre Dame, USC is clearly the best offense they've seen. You know, I I I think that USC, you know, obviously it's it's how USC is winning games right now. You know, and and Lincoln Riley can, you know, stand in his little media huddles and talk about how the media is too hard on the defense, and Lincoln Riley can make all these excuses for his defense. But the yep. reality of the situation is. If you don't put up 50 points, you're probably not winning a game right now. And that's the reality of the situation. Now, the good news for USC is Notre Dame has no business being in a 50-point game. That's not their offense. That's not what what they what they look totally. like. Like you obviously, totally. you know, you look at Notre Dame and sure they put up 45 against NC State or 41 against Central Michigan, but those are those are those teams aren't even in the same hemisphere as SC. So SC's defense might not be great, but I'm just curious if if they're going to be good enough this week to get the job done. It's a good question. I mean, I just think Notre Dame and USC. It's it, who's got the more high-powered offense? Is that even a question? Right. That the biggest question I have is: Will USC turn off for the third quarter? Will USC have that inexplicable lull where they go to sleep? I don't know. I think it's. I think it is a huge question. Um, I think. I think you look at this game. Does it go over the sixty points? Mm. I don't know. Wow, I, you're I, hesitating. I, yeah, I have trouble with that. I don't think it's an automatic over the sixty. I. I. I think that. I don't doubt that SC has thirty points in this game. I, I don't doubt that at all. But. But I don't. I'm not confident that Notre Dame's scoring more than twenty in this game. Wow. I. I. I think that that. What have you seen from USC's defense? Well, it's not what I've seen from the defense. It's what I see from from the offense. I mean, I'm telling you, they're going to run the ball more this week. And and yes, sure, Caleb's going to pass it, and that's you know that's obviously where most of the scoring is going to come from. But I'm telling you, they're going to come out and they're going to run the football this week. And and I think they need to do that to establish control in this game. This is not again as you know as, as you pointed out like this is a big game this is at Notre Dame like this is a big environment and I it's know huge it's SC and they're this they're from Hollywood and they play every week's a big week totally get it but but you can't go on the road to a place like Notre Dame and think you're gonna come out in the first possession and just throw it all over the yard and everything's gonna go exactly how you think I'm a big proponent maybe I'm wrong maybe they will maybe I just don't know Lincoln Riley but but I do think that they're going to come out and they're going to try and run it a little bit and they're going to try and control this game. Yeah, I I think USC's defense is really vulnerable down the middle of the field, and I think I think it's going to be very difficult, very difficult for Notre Dame not to score twenty eight points in this game. I think Sam Hartman's playing out of his mind. I don't. I am not. I am not confident that Audric estimates a hundred percent. In fact, I I'm certain he's not. But but let's say they do score twenty eight. I, I mean that then SC has to score at least what 34, 35? I mean, I, mean, I he, think USC is capable of putting up a forty point number in this game. I think I have lost a lot of confidence in. And again, I I look at the I look at the Notre Dame defense, and I think J D Bertrand's playing great football. Uh, Jack Kaiser's playing great football, and I, I I think that you look up and down this step chart, you have not seen an offense nearly this explosive, the speed that USC brings. I, I don't know. Where are you guys at over under on, on USC? Uh, how important is does Does the Pac-12, 
get a college football playoff team? I, That's the question for me today. Yeah, I mean, I think if Oregon wins this game, they've got a great chance. I, I, I everyone's watching this game. That this is this. There's no excuses. There's no oh, it's Pac-12. No, after dark. Like no, that doesn't exist here. This game was meant for everybody to be watching it. So, like I said, hey, you know, Bo Nix, this is one of those games, right? This was the same thing as the Georgia game where everybody was watching. Don't let us down, right? Go out perform, get the job done, and hopefully win this thing by 10 points. That's not probably going to happen, but if Oregon could do that, they I, I just don't see after this game how you could mess it up. If you can beat Washington, you can beat anybody in You're this conference. You're such a skeptic. I am a skeptic. Look, Bo Nicks, me wrong. Look, Bo Nicks, don't you come in here and crap the bad boy. When's the last time he won anything? <laughs> Prove me wrong. Oregon State last year. Come on, dude. Oh, wait. <laughs> like... You know, and then I look at again. You, you know, this SC game. Uh, I look at the, this is a stat that I'm that I'm that really concerns me. Mm -hmm. Notre Dame, through their first three games, was averaging 46 points a game on offense. Last three games, it's been 18.3 points. So it's going to be one of two things: you're going to be that same team and have 18 points, 20 points, or you're going to come out and this is a different thing. It's SC. It's a big game, and we're going to throw up like 35 points and we're going to battle SC and that that will they will decide the over in this game I don't think SC will decide the over under in this wow game. uh Kevin the De whoa comment dump I have to go find that one Kevin the destroyer odds are has uh Notre Dame to win outright and go under how does I and, and I, I was looking at Vegas Insider last night and I've been reading like previews and predictions and it's about 70 something percent have it over but that's 30% of the, the the prognosticating experts who say this game's going under. Mm -hmm. And you're pretty convinced it's going under. Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you look at what has to happen for it to go over, you're going to need both offenses Wow, to be to be basically running at full tilt. And, and so the question is, all right, if let's just presume, because I think it's a pretty safe thing, oh. SC's putting up at least 30 in this game. Let's just, okay, great, at least 30, which is why I say this isn't about SC. This is about Notre Dame. Is Notre Dame going to compete and stay close in this game offensively? I have doubts about that. You have not been playing good football on offense. You just haven't, and that can turn around, but You've been saying for the last three weeks that Marcus Freeman is not to be trusted. That he's, he's not the defensively guy. Defensively, he's not to be trusted. Offensively, I think they've been actually better than anybody thought they would be. Do yeah. you guys understand? Sam Hartman and that sexy-ass beard. It, what if he puts up a 400-yard performance? They'll win the game. Because they, the they have the talent offensively to do that with the way they run the ball. If he puts up a massive four four hundred yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, then he runs for another one. He's in the Heisman race. He he. That's what's on the line here. And and again, I, I just cannot believe that this Notre Dame offense at home under the lights in a in a game that is as massive as massive gets swollen. You name it, everything. Stay home. Like so yeah, up right every now. everything you want. Yeah. I can't believe Notre Dame's offense comes out and, and drops a twenty-one point dud. Well, that'd be that'd be stunning. Because what am I going to say though? We can't. We couldn't believe some of the other things that Notre Dame did. Yeah, I think. I think he's Sam Hartman's coming off of his worst performance. 
at Louisville. And I think that USC can be got. I think USC is going to win this game by 10 points. And I think it's going to be 42, probably 31. Uh, this game's, I think it's at a minimum a 70-point a, a game. Yeah, we're just different on it. I don't think Notre Dame's going to score that many points. I, okay. I, I think it's like 31-24. Okay. You know, like, I, that's, that's what I think you're looking at here. Okay. Hey, I, I, and I hope, I hope you're right. And I, well, I hope you're wrong, actually. I would love Notre Dame to win this game. I'm a Notre Dame fan through and through. I don't think it's happening, mm -hmm. but I would love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. Uh, Jaron Eccles, what's up, Jaron? I think uh, USC underestimated Arizona. Won't do the same for Notre Dame. SC wins the game even if they have 10 men on every play defensively. Thank you. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, it's fine. Um, let's see. Harry Austin, is USC really that good? They are. Yeah. I think offensively, they're one of the elite units in the country. Yeah. I think Caleb Williams, until he's dethroned, and Bo Nix has a chance to do that. Michael Penix Jr. has a chance to do that. Uh, I think Caleb Williams is at the least the best quarterback in, in the Pac-12, and I think he very, very likely is the best quarterback in the country. And I think that he is so special. They have so much speed outside. Their running backs catch the ball really well. Their offensive line is athletic. They move. I, like, I just, I think, obviously, it's fair. It's not unlike Patrick Mahomes. I think Caleb Williams does those little things with the way he moves and the way he creates with his legs, and he creates with his legs to throw the football. Like, his first option is never the run. Like, I just think he's that kind of dog, right? Yeah. Like, he's that guy that he can just beat you with his mind because he can see it before you can think it. And I, I, they're really good offensively, man. They are, they are really good. Shouty says it same level game, Texas OU. Oh, I think Oregon Washington is that. Yeah. I don't know that because I think Oregon and Washington are both national, national powers. I think this year, with the level of quarterback play we're seeing from Oregon and Washington, I absolutely think that Oregon and Washington is OU Texas. Because OU and Texas both could play for a national championship and nobody would really question it. Mm -hmm. I think Oregon and Washington are in that same boat. Mm -hmm. I think I think I need to see it one more time from Washington to truly buy in. I have no doubts about Oregon. I think Bo Nix is, again, I'll say he's playing the best football of his of his career. Um, I think he's got a, speaking of dogs, I think he's got a real dog as a head coach. I think, I just think Oregon's really good. Really, really good. And I think when you look at a team and the first thing that goes through your mind is, man, I, I guarantee you they've all hit buck shots before they hit the field. Then you know how good somebody is. That's when you know they hit the bucky, baby. That's right. Buckshot, the official, uh, the official energy provider of the Monty show is bucked up energy telling you that my favorite product that they have is Buckshot. You know you watch a show every day. We hit it every day. I love it because it's 200 milligrams of naturally sourced caffeine. And a lot of people have been asking me, why do you keep saying natural caffeine? Caffeine's caffeine. Au contraire, mon frere. When you use compounds and chemicals to create the effect of caffeine, that's not caffeine. Naturally sourced caffeine sources make a huge difference. And when you look at the way that Bucked Up makes Buckshot, they take the, that 200 milligrams, they put it in a container with a bunch of brain food, and it's really elite ingredients that make an elite product 
that does exactly what it says it's going to do. It's going to give you a lift. It's going to give you mental clarity. So whether you hit the buckshot in the morning because you're feeling a little lull, it's Friday, it's been a long week, I just need to get through the day, hey, hit it in the morning, you'll have a great morning, right? Hit it in the afternoon because you had a, uh, maybe you had pizza. It's pizza Friday at the office and you feel a little drag. Hit the buckshot so that every day and every part of your day is the best day. Let's do it right now on the show. Open it up nice and chilly because it just came out of the fridge. <sighs> Down the hatch, my friends. In the description below, uh, we're also giving you free bucked up samples. Their shaker cups are the best shakers in the business. There's a link that's going to get you a free shaker color combination of your choice. And you get three free uh, samples from Bucked Up Energy. I would tell you go with the pre-workout. I'm a big believer in the pre-workout. I'm back in the workouts. I'm back in the gym grind, heading for snowboarding season, heading Boy, for Hawaii. We're just five weeks away from Hawaii now. That's wild that we are just five weeks away yes. from Hawaii. Yes. That means Thanksgiving is in about five and a half weeks, which is crazy. So we're in the gym. I love their pre-workout. I love all of their supplements, whether it's endurance, uh, whether it is collagen peptides. Go get your samples and a free shaker cup in the description below right now. Bucked Up Energy, the official energy provider of the Monty Show. Zesty's Retros and Games says, look up, Monty. Okay, there you go. Uh, okay. That's an awesome ceiling we have there, sir. Uh, one minute I was yelling for joy. Less than a minute later, the house sounded like one man tore it, uh, tore it's convention. Oh, you're talking about West Virginia. How about West Virginia last night? Seemingly going on the road in the conference and winning again. Shocking, right? Houston. No. How about West Virginia last night? Going on the road. Seemingly winning again. Everything is fine. We're all, man, can't believe it. And then Houston hits the Hail Mary to win the game. Yeah. How is that possible? Help help, help me. Help me, Neil Brown. Football. Help me, Neil Brown. How does how does that happen? That and all all credit to Donovan Smith. I think this is the best game I've ever seen Donovan Smith play. Smart football didn't turn it over. And just that flick of the wrist, and all of a sudden, Houston won the game. Yeah. And it was one of the most wild, entertaining fourth quarters I've seen in some time. I was so pissed off at my prize pick selections. I had turned off Taylor Swift. I had turned off the goddamn Atlanta Braves. And I was watching Houston in, in West Virginia. And I thought to myself, Garrett Green is finally going to get over. West Virginia made a play. They're going to win the game. Nah, bro. Didn't happen. Donovan nope. Smith makes a play. And the number that's so shocking, on a Dana Holgerson team, West Virginia put up 546 yards of total offense and lost. <laughs> like, how, how is that possible? That's Big 12 football for you. But if you're a West Virginia fan, here's a question I have. Did Neil Brown save his job? They're 4-2. and two. They're four and two, almost five and one, almost three and one. Has Neil Brown saved his job? Yeah, I don't know about that. And I, and I have to say losing to Houston is not a good look. 
for a team that was, you know, going the right way. And I don't care if you lost on a Hail Mary. It's even worse that you lost on a Hail Mary. I, 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 it would even be an easier conversation if you had lost by 20 and just got embarrassed. But the idea that you didn't make a play oh, man. on the last play of the game in a Hail Mary, you, you understand, like, that's one of the easiest plays, in my opinion, to defend. You know where the ball's going. You know the type of play you're going to have to make. Yet, what did you guys do? Oh, that's right. You tipped it up in the air instead of batting it to the ground, which is classic football X's and O's 101. Yeah, but I I, I don't want to take anything away from Donovan Smith. I mean, he was – that fourth quarter was stupid good. Yeah, and the last play of the game, he made a great choice. The way he stepped up in the pocket, there was an opportunity there just for a split second where they had him. And then he stepped up and he ran away and he still had a defender in his face. Guy accounted for five touchdowns yeah. last night. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm not taking anything away from Donovan Smith. I, I, that's not what this is about. I, I'm just talking about Neil Brown and his undisciplined football team. That's not good enough. <laughs> wow. It's not. Okay. I'm not ready to say that. I'm not ready to say that. I think he saved his job. I think he saved his job. I don't know how how else. I don't know how else you describe it. I think I think he. And if you are if you are a West Virginia fan, you're probably pulling your chest hair out because I think most West Virginia fans want Neil gone. But if Neil Brown takes West Virginia to a bowl game, and I don't know how at this point you don't, with Oklahoma State, that's a winnable game. That's a winnable game. That's a home game. Uh, like, how do you not? How do you not win there? Yeah. Right. BYU, a home game. That's a winnable game. I I would even dare say that at UCF is a winnable game with all their injuries. They're going to West Virginia's going to win seven games. Mm-hmm. Now that trip to Baylor at the end of the season, we'll see. But every home game, every game in Morgantown's a winner for them. Like they're better than Cincinnati. They're better than BYU. They're better than Oklahoma State at home. Right. Now, you want to play that game in Provo against BYU? You're probably not winning that game. But I think I think Neil has a chance here to win seven games. How do you fire him if he wins set? Like, I mean, that would be a miracle. Yeah, it's a philosophical thing. Yeah, I think seven games is a great season for them. Yeah. And and, and again, you know what? I, I But Paxton, who cares? Baylor's not good. Neil Brown's not good, but they will if they if they beat Baylor, they win uh, potentially eight games. Yeah, someone's got to win the game, and so we're gonna hold it against him if he loses, but not give him credit when he wins. Come can on. can you imagine if West Virginia wins eight games? Because they're gonna have a chance. All, uh, every everything being equal and everybody stays healthy at West Virginia, which okay, if Garrett Green's healthy, they have a chance to win eight games. You're not firing Neil Brown if they win eight games. No, you're not. Sorry, dude. There, there is no way. Kay Sumbry, disrespectful, Monty. Oakey State will beat West Virginia. Oh, I'm sorry, Oak State. Yeah. I'm a man. Do we know who Oklahoma State is? I, and I'm, I'm here for this because we battle this out every day on our show. It seems like. Do we have any idea who Oklahoma State is next weekend in, in with any kind of confidence? You deserve credit for beating K State, but I still maintain that you're not beating K State when they when they have their best. But they didn't have their best, so you get credit for that. Uh, but if you're going to beat K State, you damn well better beat West Virginia. And you better beat Kansas this weekend without Jalen Daniels. 
Because he's still got this back thing. But it would be very Oklahoma State, with all due respect. It's Oak State, please. Oak State to lose to Kansas without their quarterback. Yeah. I mean, it. it I think I would probably, and I want to see if the line moved before I run my lips, uh, I would probably take... I would probably take Kansas to be favored in that game. Is that a pick on that? No, KU is still three points. That's at Boone. And you're you're telling me, you're telling me that you're at home at T Boone Pickens Stadium and you're a three point dog. Which means you're really a touchdown dog because the home team gets three. Yeah. And I would also point out that number's fifty six. So I I think I don't think we know who Oklahoma State is. Yeah. And even if you're the most passionate Oklahoma State fan, can you really sit here and tell me that we have any idea who that offense is? I don't think you can. You don't have a you, you don't have a quarterback a note. Mm-mm. And you're you're moving that direction, I think you're fine. But can we really sit here and say that we we know exactly who Oklahoma State, I don't think think you can. can. I don't think you can. They're a team that every single week has to patchwork it together because you don't have a bona fide starter. You don't have that just that grade A number one quarterback. And I think people underestimate how important that is. When you when you're running two, three guys out there and you're constantly having to figure out who's start like it doesn't that doesn't like people don't think about okay chemistry from the guy who's playing quarterback to the wide receivers. From the guy who's playing quarterback to the running back out in the flat, the guy who's playing quarterback to that deep ball he's thrown. Do you understand that every quarterback throws a deep ball differently, right? Like how much air they put under it, how much room they give you the run, like where the ball is going to land on your body. Like those are all little things that quarterbacks and wide receivers need to build. Why do you think Caleb Williams is so good? His wide receivers know where the ball's going because he starts every week. And that's why Oak State is just inconsistent every single week. So again, forgive me. If I say, hey, yeah, you beat K-State, Will Howard had the worst game of his career, but you beat K-State, and now you're now we're looking down the schedule and we're not exactly confident. Well, that's why, because I'm not sure what's going to show up every yeah. week. Uh, Christopher Shannon says seven, jo- seven games keeps your job. Hey. With dude, what he's got to work with, yeah, I think seven keeps his job. Yeah, I if, do. If they win seven games, dude, I think if you're bowl eligible, you can't fire Neil Brown. Six will keep his job. Mike Smith, no to Herm. Oh, nobody's serious about Herm Edwards at West Virginia. No. Uh, Do not even joke about that walking disaster. I see six, maybe. Okay, Kim, if we look at at, it, Mountain Mama. Mountain Mama, yeah. That's a West Virginia reference, everybody. Uh, Oklahoma State at West Virginia. I, I think I would favor West Virginia. Have to. And, and let's talk about it on Monday because let's see what Oak State does against Kansas. At UCF right now, I think you would take West Virginia. I know it's wild, but they have – I mean, you don't have a – you don't have your quarterback. Yeah. You don't have your quarterbacks, right? BYU at in Morgantown, I think that's a pick em. Yeah, that's a pick em. That's a, and that game's, what, three weeks away now? Yeah, and I think that depends on how BYU's rolling. BYU is very much a momentum team. I mean, you potentially, let's say you win two of those three. Let's say you lose to Oklahoma State. I think you're going to beat UCF, and I think you're going to beat BYU. But I want to see BYU win a game on the road. Oh, wow. That, and, and tomorrow there's a good chance 
for them to do that in in Fort Worth. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But right there, you're at six wins because I think you're winning two of those three. You're not beating Oklahoma. Can you tell me with all confidence that Scott Satterfield, the boys are going to Morgantown to win? No. That could be seven right there. And then Baylor's not very good. Yeah, you want to talk about a game when your job's on the line. I think there's a – no, I I think Dave Aranda's out at Baylor. I don't know how you how you save that. Well, that's my point. It's two, it's two head coaches where, you know – and whether they're trending upward or not, in my opinion, doesn't matter. Two head coaches doesn't matter. coaching for their job. Doesn't matter. Yeah, and, yeah. and I, I agree. Dave exactly is probably right. out. I, If it was me, he'd be out. I, I think Baylor deserves so much better than what they've been getting out of Dave. You know. So wait, would you fire Neil Brown? I, I think I would. I mean. If he doesn't, if he wins, for, if I were at West Virginia, I'd fire him no matter what. You could win 10 games, I'm firing your ass. Probably not. But if you win six or seven games, I'm probably still making a change. Yeah, you know what the problem is? You're not winning seven games in next year's Big 12 with what he offers. That's the problem. Next year's Big 12 is significantly better than this year's Big 12. So, so yeah, to me, uh, yeah, I'm probably firing him, and I'm probably firing Dave. No, I'm definitely firing Dave. Dave's but probably definitely, But probably firing Neil. Baylor needs a reboot. And I don't know. I, I think I'm, uh, generationally speaking, I feel like West Virginia should be better than this. Mm-hmm. Like I'm 50 years old. I've seen West Virginia be better than this. I feel like West Virginia fans are passionate. They're invested in their programs, right? Like yeah. if we learned anything from the Bob Huggins disaster, West Virginia fans are passionate about their their university. I think West Virginia fans deserve better than this. It's going to be hard to fire Neil Brown if he wins eight games. And I I know it's crazy, and maybe it's just – maybe I am just big old stupid Monty. I think they have a chance to win eight games. Come on, man. They have a chance – if they beat Baylor, they could win eight games. Yeah. At that point – see, at that point, optically speaking, that's tough to fire him. It's tough to fire a guy who just won eight games. Especially when you thought they were going to win three. Yeah. Right. Uh, Elaine Tram, what's up? How the heck are you? Good morning, everyone. Guns up. Uh, Kim, pew, pew, rack them. <clears throat> okay. Feel Saying better. that to a Baylor fan. Shoddy. Uh, when does West Virginia play Texas at home? Uh, West Virginia does not play Texas this year. Um, they, that's right. They went and West Virginia's already had some success in with the state of Texas. <coughs> <clears throat> I'm looking at you, Lubbock. Uh, damn near almost Dude. beat Houston. Sorry, they they they're two and one in the state of Texas against should the state have of Texas. beat Houston. They should be three and zero oh against the state of Texas. I would be annoyed if I was that athletic director. Why do you say that's a win? You should be winning that game. I I, I can't emphasize this enough. It is. It, Boy, you're it, really it, tweaked. It's over. unacceptable. <laughs> like it. it, it I, I'm sorry, Whoa. but I'm a bit like. Think of it. Think of it this way. In football, the defense never like a lot of like elite defense. Like Texas's defense, Jade Barron knows where the football's going a lot of times. Yeah. He already has an idea. But most of the time, your defense doesn't know exactly where the ball's going. You know damn well where the ball's going in that situation. You had your guys in position, and you still didn't make the play. That's unacceptable. I, I will admit I have very little. Uh, yeah, and of course, stupid prize picks is sending me a free flex guarantee today. Yeah, because yeah, you piped me last night. Again. Um, 
Man, I have such a love-hate relationship with prize picks. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, I, whatever. I think, has this been one of the most disappointing years for football in the state of Texas? Yeah. With with Texas Tech the way they are. Pew, it pew. starts with Texas. Pew. I, I, and maybe with Texas Tech, if they win this weekend, we can start doing the, the pew, pew. Right now, I think we just do pew. Yeah. I don't think we can do pew, pew. It's because just pew. it's garbage. It's not good. If you look at the loss to Oklahoma, massive disappointment. I think things are not good in Lubbock. That you're you're not where you want it to be. I ain't got to say nothing about Baylor. Houston, big win last night. TCU, TCU better be BYU. And I, I, look, I understand you're without your quarterback. You're playing a freshman. I still think TCU is just a touch disappointing. Not a no, lot. No, come on. Just a touch. Just a touch. Chandler Morris. Lose, losing to Colorado is not great. Chandler Morris losing to Colorado. I think, Jesus, I think TCU. I, I Listen, you're not going back to the national championship. No. No matter what your season was going to turn out to be. But TCU's massively disappointing. I, there's the, you can, yeah, come on. Paxton, Texas Tech, seven and five. Meh. Well, I, I mean, I, I'm a huge – I love Joey McGuire. I'm a huge Joey McGuire guy, and I, I want it. I want it for them. But you got to beat K-State. That, that's it. I, I don't care about at BYU. I don't care TCU. Can't, none of, you better beat K-State this weekend. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't beat K-State, I don't know that they're going to a bowl. If we're being brutally honest about Texas Tech, if you don't beat K State, is there a real is there a clear path to six? Because I have real reservations about you going to Provo and winning. I think that's going to be very difficult. It is going to be cold. Um, it is going to. I think that game. There's a real good chance that's a night game. I think it's going to be tough to to beat to beat BYU. And and at that point, you're asking to put yourself in a position where you have to win at Texas to be bowl eligible. No. It's not you happening. better beat K-State. Yeah. You better beat K-State. And I know that is a – I know that is probably harsh, but – It's reality Come on of it, now. dude. It's the reality of it. I mean, that's that's the schedule. I, like, And look, I, I'm a, again, I'm a huge believer in, in Joey McGuire. But this is not it. This is not it. If you lose, and and I expect, and I understand I'm a Will Howard guy, I expect Will Howard to have a massive bounce back after the worst game of his college career. Yeah. I expect him to have a bounce back. This is at home. And if you lose this game, I don't think you're bowl eligible. And if you're not bowl eligible, I don't want to talk about Neil Brown and Dave Aranda. I want to start talking about Joey McGuire. Yeah. Because that's unacceptable. This was... And if we're being fair about Texas Tech, and much to Paxton's point, if you're getting a seven and five, okay, we can deal with that. Tyler Shook, you know, snapped his twig and was not very good to begin with. Okay, great. Yeah, we'll accept all the excuses. Yeah, stupid play calling against Wyo on defense. Okay, great. You're seven and five. Let's move on to spring football. Let's get in the portal. Let's move on. But 
this team was supposed to be a dark horse to win the conference. Yeah, well, they ain't even close to that. We and that's just a distant memory. That's Tarrant County, you know, Big Twelve yeah. football media days. Yeah, where Joey McGuire walked around that place like he owned it. Yeah, because he did. He walked around that place. Joey McGuire and the Raiders at, at Big Twelve football media days. I would say probably second in demand next to Texas. That's how much demand there was the days that they were there. And now you're three and three, and you're on the verge, man. Like you, you are on the on the verge. Uh, Elaine Tran, I'm a whoa. I'm a firm believer in BYU. They play every game, every single game. And Cody Epps is back. TCU is going to have their hands full. How disappointing is T? Let's let's have let's yeah let's let's do it. BYU and TCU. Yeah. How disappointing is TCU? I mean, I think it's hard to measure how disappointing they are, but they are disappointing. I, I mean, I, I I agree. You were never going back to the national championship game. I think everyone agrees on that. But but to go from the Natty game to this is feels like the Grand Canyon of a gap. That's too much. Chandler Morris is out multiple games. Yeah. Same MCL sprain that knocked him out and made Max Duggan possible. Right. You're going to play a freshman at quarterback. Yep. That's not why you're going to lose this game. You're going to lose this game if you do. Because I think BYU is playing for their head coach. BYU is, I think, offensively far more talented than we gave them credit for. And I was a critic of Keaton Slovis. And Keaton Slovis has proven me wrong week in and week out. And I am here for it. Uh Because I think BYU... Even on the road, Ian Fort Worth right. is going to be a handful for TCU. We've seen excellent football. Even in, like, look at the Kansas game. Yeah. Excellent football from BYU. They just were not as good as Kansas. But still playing good football. TCU has disappointed almost every single week. Yeah. Right? And so the question has to be asked, is TCU... In no way, shape, or form who we thought they were. Well, this is not who we thought Sonny and TCU was going to be. Right. But are they capable of beating BYU? The answer is yes. Yes, they are. And I think when you look at when you look at the 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 real head-to-head matchups here, this game's going to be won and lost at the quarterback position. And I think Keaton Slovis is the reason that BYU is going to win this game. Uh-huh. And Chandler Morris, I hesitate to say that Chandler Morris has been mid, but he's not been great. Yeah, And 1,509 yards, 251 yards a game is not good enough in that league. No. It's not good enough in that league. And I think, you know, J.P. Richardson, I think you you look at some of the numbers – the wide receivers have not been what you've not had those big plays. And then you flip over to Keaton Slovis, who is at 248 yards a game. Surprisingly, he's on the rise. And you look at that 1,240 yards on the season, uh, 60% completions. Guess what? Keaton Slovis is who we thought he was. Yeah. He's never going to be a 65, 68, 70% completion guy. But boy, in the last. Three starts, has he not been significantly better than any of us thought he would be? Well, I think he has been. Mm -hmm. And he's done all of this without an NFL wide receiver in Cody Epps. 
who's going to play this week. I think this is a big moment in time for BYU. I think this is a big moment in time for Cody Epps. I think this is a big moment in time um, for this BYU defense to show out again because I think they have impressed it every single turn. Drop 17 and rush nobody is a thing of the past, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like they last year, BYU routinely dropped their entire defensive roster into coverage and rushed nobody. Yeah. And it was a flashpoint for the BYU fan base. Tell me this is not two teams going in different directions. Yeah, well, and I think for BYU, you know, Josh Hoover, TCU starting quarterback this week, is hardly uh, the cut of, you know, K.J. Jefferson, let's say, or some of the other quarterbacks you've seen on your schedule. Now, this is a guy who obviously is a freshman, not a big sample size, you know, now... He deserves some credit, almost seven yards in attempt and limited exposure. So clearly he doesn't have an issue passing the football. But again, this is somebody who's inexperienced. I would expect the, you know, Max Tooley's of the world, your your ben defense, Bywater, Ben Bywater, Tyler Batty, yeah. Though your playmakers on defense to have a big week. Jacob Robinson. I would expect interceptions in this game. I would expect BYU to have two, three extra possessions in this game. Yeah. And furthermore, I would expect Keaton Slovis to have a nice day because, yeah, Cody Epps is there, but just generally speaking, I think BYU is better than TCU. I think they're more talented right now. I think they're playing better football. I think BYU is, has, has gone through some serious, you know, tests, and they've won some of those and lost some of those, but they're together as a team. And I think TCU is the exact opposite. You are not rolling along as a team when you have an untested, unproven yeah. freshman coming in because your boy got hurt. That's just not, you're not in a great place. So that's why I say, has TCU disappointed? Yeah, they've disappointed because they went to the national championship game last year, and now they're not even in the same conversation. But the disappointment's just going to keep, that dial's going to keep turning up because they will lose to BYU, in my opinion. And, and you look down their schedule and it doesn't get easier. I think it is – I think Darius Laster is one of the most fascinating players on this roster for BYU. Mm -hmm. And I think BYU – I think there's a real chance here for BYU to win this game. But I am not – I am not by any stretch of the imagination going to sit here and, and say that Sonny Dykes won't have this team ready to go. Um, and again, with, with a freshman at quarterback and – I just don't have – I have no doubt that this this is going to be a great game. I don't think it's a blowout. Um, frankly, I, I look at the 52-and-a-half number, and I think that's pretty close. I think if you look at, at the fact that TCU's a six-point home favorite, I'm a little surprised by that. Mm -hmm. I'm a little surprised by that. I think this is, this is one of those situations where not many people have watched this BYU offense – and I'm, I am going to tell you, I, I look much closer at that Cincinnati win. And I look at the fact that L.J. Martin ran for 4.1 yards a game. And Chase Roberts and Darius Lasseter both had big plays. And now you're going to add Keaton Slovis to a group. And I think you have four legitimate receiving targets now when you look at Lasseter, Roberts, I mean, I, 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 I'm a huge believer in Cody Epps, and I think Isaac Rex is having the career season that we've all kind of been hoping for. And you throw in Keanu Hill to that, and you throw in, um, you know, the the fact that BYU hasn't thrown to the backs much. 
this offense is not even 50% of what it could be. Right. And I think one of the other things that you have to do is I think you have to listen to what uh, Aaron Roderick has said, what A-Rod has said about um, – you know, using the bye week to reset the offense, I think is spot on. We're just, we, but mostly we just emphasize just the fundamentals and technique things that you do to execute your run game. You know, it's not so much, uh, you know, coming up with new magical schemes or whatever. It's just executing the plays better. And a lot of that has just come down to, you know, doing your job, each individual player doing their job with, with the technique that we're asking them to do it with. And so the bye week gives you a good chance to go back to the basics that you do in the beginning of fall camp or in the beginning of spring ball and really hone in on those things that give the plays a chance to be successful. L.J. Martin. Mm -hmm. I will say it every week when we talk BYU football. L.J. Martin. Feed the beast. Let him roll. He is your workhorse. He is your back. He is special. He is young. Establish the run and then throw the ball to your talented group of wide receivers. And and by the way, I want to play this uh, Roderick bite on TCU's defense as well because that's a bigger question. I'm I, I'm fine with with the struggles of of TCU's offense. I, I understand it. Their defense has to play better. Very good on defense. Uh, tough to run the ball against them. They're really physical up front. Um, Iowa State's the only team that's really had much success running the football this year. Um, and even that was, you know, they're, they're, they're very physical and they have great speed in the secondary like they always have. I've you know, coached against TCU for a lot of years and they always have a lot of speed in the secondary. Yeah, they do. But my question is, where's, what is that meant on the field? If, if we're being totally honest, tell me what that, what is that meant on the field? Not a lot. I don't think we've seen that manifest itself in, you're three and three, and and you're one and two in the conference. I think there's a, I, I think there's a better than percentage chance that they're going to lose this game, and I I think it's somewhere along the lines of 31-24 BYU. Yeah, you know, I think that the the interesting thing too for for this game, just a side note for the TCU offense, uh, Brandon Coleman, TCU's left guard, left tackle, you know, plays different positions has a lower leg injury that he's probably going to play, but re-aggravate in the game and leave the game. So you're going to see, you know, reliability on the offensive line is going to go away for Josh Schuver as well. So I, I I think when we talk about score, like, yeah, this kid played well in his first outing, but I don't, I, I would, yeah, 24 would be the top of the mountain. I, I, I could easily see, I agree. It's probably 30 points for BYU. I think they've been around that number all year, but I, I think 20 points, 24 points is probably, Max, especially when you consider he's probably going to turn the football over in this game. 31-24, BYU wins outright. And I think, obviously, I think it goes under. I think it's going to be close. Yeah. But I would take the under. That's where I would go. Uh, Tanner Plummer says, uh, time for Kalani to avenge the gut-wrenching loss to TCU in 2008. There's no avenging that. A lot of BYU fans have talked about that this week. And I, yeah, I just, I don't think you can avenge that. Uh, NBA Commissioner Salty Drunk. Oh, oh boy. Oh, boy. Oh, gee, oh, my. Remember the BYU radio skit you used to do on, oh, BYU? No. Oh, on BYU Radio? I the do. The New Skin Radio Network. Uh, Keaton Critchlow, Monty in the morning. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, Elaine Tran says nothing much, Katie. Okay. 
Okay. Monty in the morning, Monty in the evening, Monty at supper time. With Monty on a bagel, you can have Monty anytime. I'm for real. Exactly right. Uh, TCU needs uh, wins or bowl games are out. Well, you're not wrong about that. You're not wrong about that. Elaine Tran, I know BYU defense will make plays. The defense is average but will make plays. TCU to the Armed Forces Bowl. So you think TCU is bowl eligible? Okay. Wet blanket. Nobody knows anything about the 12. Have you not paid attention the last few years? No, you're not wrong. <laughs> I think, well, yeah, you know. What's your point, though? What, like, what, like, what, is, what are, you, are you saying games are unpredictable? No, are I saying... just think this line is ridiculous that, that TCU's a six-point favorite over BYU. I, I, wow. I, I, that line, I think that's what you're referencing. Yeah, I mean, Vegas doesn't make lines because they're accurate. They make lines to make money. And they're counting on the fact that nobody watches BYU. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. You know. Tanner, uh, now there is the stat that BYU is wildly inconsistent before 6 p.m. That should be taken into account. Yeah, we'll see. (laughs) I also think that that is a, yeah. I don't know if I buy into that. I'm not sure. Uh, Wet blanket. Uh, Iowa State has two pros in the secondary. Means they're 2-1 and in conference. Well, yeah. Iowa State's been surprising. This conference has been surprising all year, though. I mean, there's no question you get a lot of surprises out of Big 12 football games. I, yes. I, I mean, Big 12 football is very much, I mean, again, West Virginia-Houston, right? I mean, nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw, you know, winning on a Hail Mary coming. So, I mean, I think I, I think generally speaking, the Big 12 is definitely a conference that's capable of producing more highlight reels. But Ultimately, football's football, man. And if BYU executes, they should win this game. And frankly, I'd go as far as to say I'd expect them to win this game. But, you know, maybe Ooh, I'm wrong. You would expect BYU to win the yeah, game. Yeah, because I think they're they're more quality. I think they're more prepared. I think that, uh, again, this quarterback situation is a real problem for TCU. Like, I, I understand that, you know, hey, Chandler Morris went out last year and Max Duggan was that flash in the pan and they rode that thing all the way to the promised land. I totally get it. But I'm telling you, that's not happening two years in a row. Do you understand how rare that is? Do you understand, like, if you really think if Sonny Dykes had thought or knew he had a national championship game caliber quarterback sitting on his bench, he'd have had him on the bench? Well, well I, I think Chandler Morris was always going to be the starter. Always. It was his job before it was anybody else's job, and that includes Max Duggan. If Chandler doesn't get hurt, Max Duggan never happens. Yeah. Right? So you look at Josh Hoover. Josh Hoover was never supposed to be a thing at this point. I thought he actually, you know, showed out a little bit against Iowa State. Now they lost the game. And there, there are, you, you win or you lose. There are no excuses. And I think Iowa State deserves a lot of credit for that. AAR, BYU Cougars will be passing the ball a ton. I would, I would think so. It depends. I mean, TCU is very good against the run. I mean – I think we know that, but L.J. Martin's a difference maker for BYU. So, uh, one thing, Ammon G. Carter, a damn nice stadium. Everybody says that. A.R., a field goal or less, really. Really. I like it. Uh, Paxton, Monty is Louisville last year's TCU. I don't think so, but I could be wrong. I, I mean, I no, you're going to upset me with, with Louisville, and I'm not going to allow it to happen. I knew today I, I, would be shitty. Yeah, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. I'm, I'm not doing it. Mike Smith, chicken and stars soup sounds good right now. Someone help a brother out. Chicken and stars? Okay. <laughs> uh, R.A. Johns, Utah barely beat Baylor. But they beat him. But they beat him. Which is an indictment on Dave Aranda. 
listen, I think I think Baylor is you're not you're not a good football team. No. Let let's not let's not make excuses or you're not a good football team. And I look at I look at yeah, you've lost to three top twenty five teams or well, Texas Tech. Utah and Texas, but the problem is your wins are not are not good wins. Long Island and UCF are not good wins. That that's the real problem. UCF is littered with injuries. It's not a good win. And I, I look at the tech loss, you got blown out, dude. dude like, am are people forgetting how how I say easily, are people forgetting the domination that that was 186 yards on the ground for, for Texas Tech. So bloody clean, methodical, and thorough. And that that Baron Morton, like he he looked good. Yeah. Right? And the other thing that hurts you is Blake Shapin threw for what what 324 yards and you only scored 14 points. How? How? Like you oh, you don't want to know how? Because you ran for 17 yards. Empty. The opposite of four. That's how. Yeah, I mean, look, dude. I, there's no question. You're just not. Uh, you're not good enough, man. And and you can sit here and you know we can couch the Utah loss. Uh, well, this that late play should have been a whistle. Whatever. I don't give a damn. It's a loss on paper, dude. You lost that game to a quarterbackless team. You got physically dominated. Yeah, they beat you Texas, because they were better than you up front. Texas Tech had six sacks. Man, dude, dude, like, you look at, they had 11 tackles for loss. They had four pass defense. Like, they dominated Baylor. That game was not close. Yeah. That game was not close. Baylor is not good. Not good. And we now know, with again, with our friends up in Salt Lake City, like, they have offensive issues at Utah. So, we can say barely, maybe should have. Right? I just... I don't know, man. Uh, Tarrant County, boy. Baylor has become the cuddly teddy bear. Seriously. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. Uh, Pied Piper, I think Oregon-Washington is a much bigger game than SC-Notre Dame. I love that argument. I do. I don't think USC or Notre Dame has a legit shot at the playoff, but here on the Monty Show, our number two of the program is presented by our good friends at TridayTrading.com. TridayTrading.com slash Monty. I was... Been evangelizing for Tri-Day Trading for six months now, but you guys, I'm seeing it up close and personal now. My wife, good old Mrs. Monty, is in the TridayTrading.com program and just watching the way they coach you up and educate you. They they really show you the ins and outs, the details, and their systems are just so good. The the proprietary software and processes at Tri-Day Trading, you got to work hard not to make money. And, and I... I'm not even trying to be over the top. When you look at Tri-Day Trading, you have to work really hard not to make money. And sure, is it is it day trade is it day trading? Is there volatility? Yes, there is. But when you're at Tri-Day Trading, the great thing about it is they take the guesswork out of it. They have software and indicators that tell you, hey, here's where you start, here's where you stop. Dip in, dip out. And the best part is you program your trades and you walk away. Yeah. Whether you're a full-timer or a part-timer, program your trades, walk away. It takes about an hour to do it. Get in, get out, come back, and then look at the money you've made. I am seeing that firsthand with Mrs. Monty because you could sit there and you can stare at the trading screen 
and you can ride the roller coaster. But inevitably, you're one place at the start and you're much higher at the end. That's the beauty of day trading. And that's why everybody loves tri-day trading. You look at their reviews. You look at what their their graduates say. When you graduate the tridaytrading.com program and you get into it full-time, it's your, it's your living. Dude, you're making $1,000 a day or more on average. When it's your side hustle, you're making three to $500 a day on average. It's legit. And the other thing I think is so powerful for people like us, the regular guy, is that when you graduate the program, they're going to open an account and put money in it for you. And you're going to trade on that money until you're ready to trade on your own money, a week, a year, 10 years. You can trade on that account as long as you want. And when you make money with Triday's money, they're going to pay you 80% of the profit uh, or more. I just look at it and I say to myself, you're trading on their money as long as you want. Yeah. And when you're comfortable and you want to use your money and you're like, well, you know what? Look, I'm giving away 30, 40% of this money when it could be all mine. It's a powerful pull. When you see you're making that money and you're like, all right, here's, here's your percentage of the profit. You're like, damn, I could have made more money. Let me do this on my own. They're going to help you get into your own thing. They're going to continue to coach you in continuing education. I love it. Yeah, I'm telling you, it's a $10 30-day trial, and you get the entire process, man. You get all their software, all their coaching. Go get it right now. Tridaytrading.com. Change your life. Live the life you've always dreamed of at Tridaytrading.com. All right, let's get into it. It's the biggest game of the week. And, and here's a legitimate question. Let's reset it. What's the bigger game? What is the bigger result is probably the right question. Is it Oregon and Washington in Washington at, at Husky Stadium in Seattle? Or is it USC at Notre Dame tomorrow night? USC gets the benefit of the doubt just because of their brand, because of the John McKays, because of the Jay Robs, because of the Lincoln Rileys, the Heisman Trophy winners. The Marcus Allens, the O.J. Simpsons, the Matt Leinerts, the Carson Palmers, the Reggie Bushes. They get the benefit of the doubt that Oregon does not get. And I think I can make a pretty compelling argument that if USC runs the table, or dare I say has simply one loss, they have a very, very good chance of getting into the college football playoff. Whereas, depending on where that loss is and what the rest of their schedule looks like, I don't know that I can say the same thing for a one-loss Oregon. Jake, which is the more important outcome for the Pac-12? Yeah, you know, I think in in, in the long term, in, in terms of the college football playoff, you know, USC's got a strong case here for the more important result. I, I, I look at the AP Top 25, and I look at how the Pac-12 is trending, and right now, you've got three teams in, in, in the Top 10, and they're all three teams that we're discussing right now, right? Washington, Oregon, and USC. The best-case scenario after this weekend, is you've got two in the top 10. The likely scenario is you have one. SC's going to beat Notre Dame. Oregon's going to lose to Washington. They're out, uh, and we'll see what kind of respect Washington gets after beating Oregon. Because I'm not exactly sure, right? I'm not sure, not not positive, that Washington continues to get respect. I, that will speak to how much respect we give Oregon. So I think, you know, the 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 more important result in terms of the Pac-12 getting into the college football playoff is probably USC. Uh, as much as I hate to say that, because my opinion is Oregon, uh, uh, to me, has a, a, a more relevant 
history with the college football playoff. They 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 they've proven they can get there. But recently, the last two years, you haven't proven you can win the big game. This is yet another opportunity to do that. So to me, USC should beat Notre Dame, in my opinion. You should beat Notre Dame. If you're that team and you're Lincoln Riley and you're everything you want to sell us on, if you should you're beat that Notre dog. Dame. Right? Like if you're gonna if you're gonna tell me, hey, I left Oklahoma, went to USC, I brought my quarterback and a bunch of boys with me, you damn well better win this game. So I expect USC to win. I don't know what to expect out of Washington and Oregon. I the only thing I know to expect is a physical football game. And so for that reason, I say, hey, best case scenario, yeah, you've got two, you know, you've got two in the top ten. But if this is a one point win, let's say, for Washington, you really tell me that Washington is going to stay at seven? Are we really sitting here saying that they're going to stay level? Because we've seen it before in the AP top 25, right? Where a team wins, but they don't get pushed up. They either stay or they'll fall two slots. We've seen that before. And I think one of the bigger issues here is Texas and Oklahoma are off this week. Georgia, Michigan, and Ohio State all have pushovers. Yeah. And you look at Florida State, and I want to say that Duke's a pushover, especially – you know, with the quarterback situation there. Um, but Florida State should win that game. It's in Tallahassee. I would think that you're going to win that game. And then you get to Oklahoma at five. They're on a bye week. Yeah. Then you get to Penn State at six. And it's uh, – and I know this is a danger game, man. UMass can really – Absolutely have no chance of beating Penn State at Happy Valley. So, again, I just ask, where is Washington and Oregon going, even if they do win the game? Yeah. And if USC beats Notre Dame, where does USC go? Well, they have to go up at least three slots, in my opinion. You're on the road and you beat Notre Dame. Signature win. But are you going over Texas? Is there anybody who believes USC is better than Texas? No, but I don't, I don't believe that uh, Washington's better than Texas. I don't believe that several teams ahead of Texas are better than Texas. But are AP voters going to jump USC over uh, uh, an idle Texas team? I have a hard time believing that. Well, I think if you're in the top 10 and you win this week, your your ceiling is one. Because Oregon or Washington's going to lose. They're going to fall out of the top 10. Right. And everybody's going to move up in the stack. Because the problem is I don't see one through six even being tested this week. Mm-hmm. I think Oregon wins, and I think Oregon goes to seven, Texas to eight, USC to nine, and Bama to ten. Yeah. I think that's as simple as it is. I think we don't know. I, and I agree with you, just to be clear. I completely agree that's what should happen with the AP. But as we've discussed for weeks, we never know what's going to happen with years. the AP. Years. Outside of Georgia, right? So if I come in Monday, USC's won, Washington's lost, just like we all probably assume. Yeah. And USC were to leapfrog Texas. I'd be shocked. I wouldn't be. You would not be. I wouldn't be shocked because on one hand, we're saying USC's got this great brand. Wow. Right? They're incredible. But on the other hand, we're really going to sit here and say that an undefeated USC team should be behind Texas? Texas is lost. Texas is a better football team. I agree. But we're not talking about better football teams here. We're talking about the AP room. Yeah. We're talking about That's how people true. vote. And, That's very and, true. And, and I wish it was as simple as, hey, Texas, by any measure, 
is a better football team. I can make a case that head-to-head Texas would outscore USC. I can make a case that Texas is de- it's not even a question Texas has a better defense. Like Texas is a better team, but the record doesn't say that right now. So if USC handles business, oh. I wouldn't be surprised. But look at Brandon Butler's con- comment because I think this is a very smart comment. USC versus Notre Dame. If SC loses to a two-loss Notre Dame team, it'll affect their resume a lot more than if Oregon or Washington lost to another top 10 team. But isn't that the Texas story? Yeah. You lost to Oklahoma, who is, in my opinion, one of the five best teams in the country, but you're not going to get voted there. And I don't remember. I'd have to go back and look. Let me go back and look. Where was Oklahoma when Texas lost to them? Oklahoma was 12th in the country when Texas lost that game. I have a hard time believing SC jumps Texas. Well. Something stupid would have to happen. I believe that USC is going to beat Notre Dame. I, I And maybe I am just a, a bitter, broken former Catholic that's a Notre Dame fan. That's very possible. Yeah. I think SC is going to win. I think Oregon's going to win. And I don't think I don't think SC jumps Texas. I think it's just everybody bumps up Well, they spot. shouldn't jump Texas on, on premise alone. But – that's why I keep saying, like, I I kind of think they will jump Texas because again, it's record based, not not caliber of football team based. Like, AP voters are gonna say, okay, USC's undefeated. We damn well know they don't have a great defense. And obviously, the way not just beating Notre Dame, but the way you win the game, right? So yeah. if you win the game by twenty, you're obviously gonna get more credit than if you win it by a field goal. And so if USC comes out and lights up Notre Dame then I, I think odds are they will jump Texas. If USC has to pull a Houston to beat Notre Dame, they're not going to jump Texas. And furthermore, I don't know that you move them up in the poll. Yeah, I would agree. AAR says uh, USC, Oregon, Washington toss-up. Yeah, I, I I mean, they're very they're very close. I mean, those are three of the best quarterbacks in the country. USC, I, I would Notre agree Dame should not be a toss-up. Yeah. USC should win that game. Yeah, and I agree with Lone Wolf. If USC loses, they're done. I, Agreed. That's going to be tough. Now, they've got big games left on their schedule, including Oregon. But, yeah, uh, Mike Smith, Ducks are ducks and dogs. But wouldn't it be very Pac-12 for USC to lose to Notre Dame, then go to Oregon later in the year and beat Oregon? Great. So, Oregon beat Washington. Washington's done. USC loses to Notre Dame. They're done. USC goes and beats Oregon. Oregon's done. Pac-12 has no representation. We've seen this story before. We have. But real quick. You're exactly right on on West Virginia, Houston. Uh, West Virginia tried to catch the football. What are you doing? Yeah. They're showing, they showed four different angles of it. All the West Virginia guys in the beginning, the two West Virginia DBs tried to catch the ball. Then two of them tried to knock it away. Whereas if you'd knock the ball down. And so you want to sit here and tell me that Neil Brown should keep his job. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Uh, Kane Nuren, BYU should have four more wins and finish eight and four. Maybe. And by the way, if they finish eight and four, put a statue up. Yeah, you damn well have, better have that statue <laughs> cut up and ready to go. AR, have a great seat. Get your medicine. Get some popcorn. USC, Oregon, and Washington. Nobody knows. Yeah, dude. Yeah, we're gonna play eighteen on Saturday morning. Then we got a lot of football to watch in the afternoon, man. Yeah. Uh, Mike Smith, Pedo State versus Ass at Happy Valley. Wow. Okay. Uh, Brandon Butler. Uh, the only way USC jumps up is if they dominate Notre Dame by 20. They would need to make a statement to move up because the voters don't trust them. I agree. Yeah. And there's a chance they do that. I could absolutely see this being a 56-10 game. That 
There is no doubt. The next time Notre Dame absolutely loses their bowels and becomes incontinent in a big game at Notre Dame Stadium will not be the first time. 100%. But this team's pretty solid offensively. Right. Marcus Notre Freeman, Dame, our mother. Marcus Freeman is not a, a, a major program head coach right now. Right. He has the chance. He is a lovely human being. He is a great people person. He is not ready to be the head coach at Notre Dame. He's not. Yeah. He's not. Yeah, Robert man. Fowler, Texas has a loss regardless of tough game or not. Oh, completely wrong. I totally disagree. With those wins against ranked teams, one or both should be ahead of Texas. I completely disagree. To it, maybe if you were using computer models, okay. When you have human beings, especially in the AP, who don't watch most of the games, who don't know college football, voting, and then when you get to the college football playoff, and knowing people who have been on that committee and knowing how that room works, it quite literally is 10 dudes and occasionally a gal sitting around a table, eating pizza, drinking beer, telling each other how wrong they are. Yeah, It's just a bunch of dudes sitting around arguing over college football. And they're going to remember that Oklahoma and Texas, man, that game was really close. And, and, that, and you know what the truth is? That game, in my opinion, with where USC and Notre Dame are at, Texas, Oklahoma's got way more heat, in my opinion. Way more heat. Because well, yeah, they're course. both leaving the conference and they're both, you know, Oklahoma. But, but does it but does that matter in the grand scheme of things? Oh, to the to the rankings it does. Yeah. To the to the people who are just the AP poll, absolutely. College football playoff committee, absolutely. Because I think you look at it and it's like, all right, well, hey, Texas lost a heated game where they were ahead late, and then Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel. It was just greatness. That's it. But, that's I, a hell but of a I also game. have to believe we're going to see that in the championship game. Yeah. So if Texas beats Oklahoma, now we're tied. Now we're does, squared. What yeah. does that mean? Yeah. Like, I, I'm telling you, Notre Dame brings a national audience and an exclusivity. True. You are going to be heavily scrutinized. If you're USC, you're going to be heavily scrutinized off this game one way or the other. If, if you want to go to the national championship or the college football playoff, you'd better win 56 to 10. But I don't think that's going to happen. And consider this. This is, you know, you, you. I always try to think about these situations in the expanded format as well. I mean, how different is this conversation if we're talking about a 12-team playoff? Massively right? different. Like it's, to, like it's a totally different situation. Now now we're talking about two losses and three losses. And, and, SC, no, and SC Notre Dame is a much, much bigger game a year yeah. from now. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I think for, for Lincoln and company, like you – a have to figure out if Caleb's back or not with the with the draft situation and him not wanting to play for a garbage organization. A, but then B, I I think you know, in my opinion, I don't like this thing where Lincoln's trying to say that oh the media's coming down hard and you know if we make a field goal you wow. know we never give up all those points and and my point with that is that's fine if it's one week. But this is turning into a thing where you're giving up 40 every single week, and that's an issue. You know, look, here's the deal. We kicked that field goal uh, and went in regulation. We're all talking about how the defense gave up only 11 points the rest of the day, and they got they started the entire run that got us back on the same page. But it's one field goal that we don't make that the defense has no control over, and then all everybody wants to do is just look at the final score and say, oh, well, this and that. And it doesn't. It just doesn't tell the entire story. There's a lot of good things happening on this defense, man. Like you don't sit there and do what we're doing in TFLs, do what we're doing in sacks. Like there's there's so many great things. And but but here's the deal. 
Everybody in the media had their mind made up, all right? Now, I won't generalize. A lot of people in the media had their mind made up that the first second there was any adversity this year, it was like, oh, my God, you know, should have done this, and they should have made this change, and blah, blah, blah. And it's and it's not true. Like, listen, you're going to go through the whole year. You're going to have a tough game. Like, you're going to have a tough quarter. Do you respond, right? Do you show continued growth? And that's going to continue to be written throughout the entire year. But there's a lot of great things happening here. Shut up. Like, you've given up 82 points in two weeks, homie. Making a like, field you, goal is not stopping you, that. You can't sit here. And and again, I always say this. He's at practice, so it's an ass-kissing media circle with I totally understand it. You've given up 82 points in two weeks. It wasn't a field goal issue. It the, You can't cover speed. That's the issue. You're getting into shootouts with Colorado and Arizona, two bottom half teams in the Pac-12. Yeah. You gave up 82 points. Now you scored, I think, 91. Congratulations. But you've given up 82 points. Let's stop making excuses for SC's defense. They're not good. They're going to continue to not be good. I think you could put Jesus Christ to coordinate this defense and Moses with his water-splitting ability, and you're still not going to be good because it's Lincoln Riley. Sorry, folks. That's what it is. It just is what it is, man. And the bottom line is we could sit here and make make you know story about, hey, wow, if we'd have kicked that field goal, you know, like it. And listen, if the laces had been in, we don't give up 82 points. Well, they... Yeah, you do, because your defense is not good. It is what it is. Yeah, this could be 56 to 10, but it's USC's defense, so it's going to be something like 35-28. Yeah. And it's going over 60 yeah. because it's USC's defense. If you are if you happen to have some ducats on this here contest, which – A position. A position. Because we don't gamble. Uh, uh, never. Uh, you better be – your position, it better be over 60. We're in a control position. Because I don't see any way to rationalize it. I like Lincoln Riley, but this is some, some come on now. It, you know what it is? Come on. It's a bunch of bull junk, as Dion would say. All right. Uh, NBA Commissioner Gumby says, apologies for negative vibe I've created recently. Here's to good health and happiness to everybody on the program. I appreciate don't it. Don't lie to me. Uh, Zesty's Retro and Games, a member for seven months. Oh, let me pull it out here. Uh, okay. Grow up. Sorry. Sorry, just trying to have some fun over here. My Rock bad. Chalk this weekend. Keep the ball rolling. We'll see. We'll I see. think this is this could be your last week without Jalen Daniels before he returns. Yeah. Which would be huge. Uh, Dakota Tubbs, a member for two months. Hi, Jake. Monty being a red ass. Our mother's winning. Dude. I, from speak it into existence. Yeah, speak I don't know it, that your mother's winning, dude. Speak it into Notre existence. Notre Dame, our mother. Because I don't think they are either. I, yeah, I, uh, I would I, love it. Yeah. I would love it, but I, I, I don't see it happening. What? Maybe fifty-fifty at best, right? You know. I mean, at best, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, AAR, college football, BCS ratings come out October 31st. Well, the BCS isn't real anymore. We start getting our first college football playoff rankings is what you mean. Tebow, you're sad. What does Tim Tebow have to do with anything? What? God bless. NBA commissioner, uh, salty drunk at the risk of being that guy, LOL, self-indulgent. I don't think Monty is seeing member milestone super chats. Well, I just read them all. It, it notifies me in a different way. Yeah. 
So yeah, Brandon Butler. Uh, and by the way, Mister uh, Mister Commissioner has been a member of the show for nine months. Let's go, baby. Longtime contributing member of the show. We appreciate you, Salty. Even on your most saltiest of mostest days is and stuff. Uh, Kay Nuren, is it possible for BYU and Utah to play in a bowl game this year? It is possible. It is. It depends on how how well Utah does. Yeah, and how they finish. Kim Coulter says snot bubble. Okay. Uh, okay. Okay, Kim. You know. Uh, Joseph Harper, one loss Pac-12 team better than a one loss ACC team in getting a playoff bid. Agree or disagree? Uh, I, I, I agree with the concept, Ooh. but disagree with that that working out because of the way the voting works, right? The, the ACC gets a lot of love that is not merited, just like the Big Ten does. And, and Do you I think, think the that, ACC still gets that? Yeah. I think that if Florida State finds a way... Because Florida State has one loss, or they're undefeated. Undefeated, six and zero. So if Florida State winds Five up being, 0, if, if Florida State winds up being a one loss team, and how, Oregon's a one loss team, you really tell me that Oregon's going to get more love than Florida State? How good is Louisville? Uh that's a significant question because I look at the Notre Dame game, um, and I just don't think Jack Plummer played any kind of special football. Yeah, I don't think that. Uh, I will say Juar Jordan ran his ass off in that game. Um, but I think their offense is very capable of losing games. And, yeah, I don't know that I, I'm a buyer on Louisville yet. Yeah, that's a team that's got to prove it because they're Louisville. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, at Pitt, Duke, Virginia Tech, Virginia, at Miami and Kentucky, I don't know how many chances they're going to have to prove it. Um, but now Florida State, see, again, to answer your question, F- Florida State, you struggled to beat a very average-ass Clemson team. Yeah. Now, it was at Clemson, and then you did come back and dismantle a very bad Virginia Tech team. Florida State's Virginia Tech win. Syracuse, Duke, at Wake, at Pitt, Miami. That's a rivalry game. Uh, but Mario Cristobal screwed that up. So after Miami, they have directional Alabama and then at Florida. So Florida State's going to be far more tested. They, I could see them losing two of those games, right? But then the question becomes, okay, what about North Carolina? North Carolina. Drake May, everybody's favorite All-American. Well, we're going to find out who he is because you also have Miami this week. And I think, listen, if Miami doesn't come out blazing this week, Mario Cristobal should quit. Like after that embarrassment, come on now. Y'all feel me? Come on. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Miami should be five and oh. And you're four and one and you don't and you're oh and one in the conference. Yeah. Right? But then Virginia at Georgia Tech, Campbell. I I who who's that? Who who Campbell? Who the f is that guy? Bro, I how do you have that in November, bro? Uh Duke at Clemson at NC State. Can't see North Carolina, North Carolina going undefeated. Yeah, how are we playing Campbell in November, bro? That's what I'm talking about. I think this is a one-team league, and I think it that one team is only Florida State. Because I just don't see that Louisville has the offense you need to compete. Yeah. Although I could be wrong. Steven Smith, uh, thoughts on Iowa State versus Cincinnati? Because it's garbage. Okay, let's move on. Uh, my bad. The comment was behind. LOL. No, you're okay. Listen, I think my bad. Iowa State, Cincinnati. 
Iowa State's better than we gave them credit for, but so is Cincinnati. Um, I I want to I, I I don't want to be excited for this game. I was about Cincinnati. I was about to lie to you, and yeah. I, and so I stopped a little. You know, um, with all due respect, and I mean every ounce of respect that is due. Right. Uh, I. It, it, it's a rather significant game for Iowa State. I mean, if we're truth-telling. But you're a three-loss team that's lost to Iowa, Ohio, and Oklahoma. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> bro, <laughs> you're a three-loss team. There are no more significant games. It's over, well, bro. Well, but here's the thing. You're going to lose at Cincinnati. Uh, you're going to beat Baylor. No, you're going to lose at Baylor. Uh, so you're going to be three and five. Kansas is probably... Is Jalen Daniels playing? You're going to lose at Kansas. Oh, he's not? But all due respect. That game's, I think you have every chance to win any game you play in Ames, unless it's Iowa, and they were better than you. Um, you have every chance to win home games. I don't see this team traveling very well at all. I mean, obviously, you lost at Ohio, and you scored seven points, knowing the entire game. Um, I want to see you travel and win. I think this is a significant game for Iowa State. Yeah. Because if you beat Cincinnati in the Natty, you have every reason to believe you can go to Waco and beat the Wacos. Or the Wacos and beat the, you know. Uh, Kansas at BYU is going to be a very difficult place to go and play for you. Yeah. I mean, it's altitude. It's going to be cold in November. BYU's offense is good. And Lavelle is going to be rocking because people in Provo and Salt Lake don't care about the cold. By the way, uh, how about that uh, November 18th game against Texas? I know, reset. And then you got to finish against Will Howard. Oh, I mean K State. So you're so fucked. They, these next two games are gonna. You're gonna. You're probably gonna write your ticket these next two weeks. Yeah, man. So I don't. I don't see you winning three more games, but I could be wrong. Good luck. Show me you can win on the road. Because Kansas, Texas, your remaining two home games. Those are very difficult. And this was always going to be the story, your road, your road games to end the season. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, there are my thoughts. Okay. You're welcome. Uh, let's see. Lone Wolf, Brandon Butler, we can say that about every conference but the SEC and the ACC. Uh, Lone Wolf, the big hasn't won a natty since the playoff started and have been in the playoff almost every year. The conference is all sizzle and no steak. There isn't any fire to that smoke. Yeah, well, what do you... Okay, so then the guy who responded to Brandon Butler, Lone Wolf, what the hell do you mean we can say that about the SEC? The SEC's damn near won the thing every year. What do you mean? You might have noticed Georgia's won a couple. Yeah, first team all SRT is just driving through the finish line every year. First team. You know. Uh, I think the Big Ten is a massive disappointment year in and year out. Yeah. Michigan last year, Ohio State's not been the same team. Penn State never seems to find themselves in the playoff. They did quite well, obviously, in the Rose Bowl. I don't know. I think, again, everybody says I hate the Big Ten. I don't hate the Big Ten. I just know the Big Ten. I grew up in the Big Ten. It's always a disappointment. It, let's go back to Jeff George at Illinois, if you want, if you like. It's always a disappointment. And when I look at Michigan, you cannot tell me that there's there is 
no risk in playing this kind of schedule. Yeah. I mean, their schedule, it's embarrassing, dudes. It's a, You cannot, you cannot play the type of schedule. Like, they're 6-0, and and they don't have a quality win on the schedule. And they won't play a game of consequence until they go to Happy Valley and, I think, lose on <coughs> November 11th. You don't you don't play a game of consequence until November and you think that's good for your program? <laughs> They've played East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Minnesota. They have Indiana, Michigan State, and Purdue before at Penn State, at Maryland, and finishing up at the big house with Ohio State. Program. And I'm supposed to believe that somehow they're this juggernaut that's being disrespected. That Ohio State, who at least had the balls to schedule Notre Dame in week four and boat raced Maryland. Anybody remember the Maryland fans last week who were like, Yeah, we're Maryland. We're showing out this week. We're calling. Well, we're this is Do you believe? We announce our presence with authority. Yeah. On the way out of getting our ass kicked. Like, where's the authority? I'm sorry. Where's your presidents? Come on. Enjoy those crab cakes. Uh, and now you've got Ohio State's got Purdue this weekend, and then they host Penn State next weekend at Wisco, at Rutgers, Michigan State, at Minnesota, at the Big House. Come on. At least Ohio State's got a couple of games, and they play somebody before November. Yeah. Right? And then Penn State, it's all in front of Penn State. Right? And... I guess that was a good win over a ranked Iowa team. I guess it's a good win over over West Virginia. But you're playing UMass this week? And then you play Ohio State? And then Indiana at Maryland, Michigan, Rutgers at Michigan State. So it's all in front of Penn State. This conference is weak-ass, dude. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Like, it, there's no way to defend that kind of giveaway schedule. Yeah. You know, like, what are we No doubt about, about it, dude. Uh, it, it, like, preach. Preach. Lone Wolf, is this a joke? That was literally my point. I don't know what your point is. Uh, Mike Smith, Jake does not read the word but. Reading is fundamental. Okay, well, I can't even see the comments, so. Yeah. Uh, can Poe. Well, you can if you want to. Uh, though... The weather in Seattle is supposed to be in the 60s and no rain. Do these guys do any research at all? Who said the weather was going to be bad? Dude, the weather in USC Notre Dame. Who said the weather was bad? Weather's not bad. What do you... Oh, the weather's going to be fine. Uh, Tanner Plummer, don't get it twisted, Mati. You hate the Big Ten because you don't like quality the, the quality of football they play. What quality is that? I don't know if they have quality. <laughs> what? Are you... What? Like... Okay, wait. Did I misread Lone Wolf? There's, you guys are saying Lone Wolf's, and I think this, Brandon Butler, we can say that about every conference, but uh, the SEC, oh, but the SEC and ACC. Okay. Okay, but the SEC and the ACC. I'm okay, a, great. I'm a terrible person. Uh, Lone Wolf should sue for the obvious disrespect. <laughs> guys, this isn't a Big Ten show. Let's talk about America's favorite Big 12 team, the Missouri Tigers. No. You said Big Big 12 team. Where they should still be. Uh, as they play the Wildcats this weekend. Wait, what conference am I in? Exactly. 
Yeah, you know what? I I, I think the issue is is that Big Ten fan is going to die on the hill of defending their conference, and the reality is that Jim Harbaugh is never going to win a natty at Michigan ever. Ever and 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 I'll die on that hill and I'll I'll happy to be wrong to be wrong when it happens but yeah. I don't think it'll ever happen and yeah. the the other problem is is that Ryan Day while ha- he has been present in the college football playoff has not got to the national championship game enough I mean you've been it's in the college in football play playoff regularly and you just have not been there or won it or whatever like you just haven't legitimized it enough i'm quite curious how ohio state and michigan fare starting next year because and maybe i just am a homer for the pac-12 which hey okay oregon and washington with sc and ucla kind of changes the landscape of that conference i mean what happens when in the first four weeks of conference playing the big 10 ohio state loses to oregon at their play at at Autzen, then what will people say? I mean, that's a, a like that could legitimately happen. Like you're talking about absolutely. And, and so my question is, okay, we're getting two things: the college football playoff is going to expand, but also these conferences and the dynamics within the conference are going to change. So it's going to go one of two ways: we're we're going to continue to stay in this archaic thought process of oh, one lost team or no lost team is all that matters. Or we're going to change and we're going to say, all right, we've expanded the playoff. Now we have to take a serious look at resume. And we got to really look at these losses. Is it a quality loss? Yes, Texas, it is. Is it a low-quality win? Yes, Michigan and Ohio State, it is. And that's what I think is interesting moving forward, which is why I've been saying all week, Oregon State, Washington State, get your ass into the Mountain West merger win that conference, and go out and win one big bowl game, and you're in this thing. Like, that's why we've been saying you've got a path here because things are changing. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. The Monty Show, as always, presented by The Advocates. Theadvocates.com, the best injury attorneys in the business. Guys, things are going to happen in your life. You have to be prepared for those things. When you get in a car accident, did you fall off a scooter? Um, Did you get in a motorcycle accident? Did you get hurt at work? The Advocates are your workman's comp injury experts. And the best part about the Advocates is they don't ever ask you to reach in your pocket and pay them. You don't pay the Advocates unless and until they win your case. You can chat with an attorney for free. It doesn't cost you a penny to chat with an attorney live online right now. Theadvocates.com. Just click the chat with a lawyer box. And there's no no cost, no consultation fees or retainers, and there's no obligation. Chavel and attorney today, theadvocates.com. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. You guys like when I yeah. sing, don't you? I, I think you do. Hit the high note. Uh, Lee Jensen, uh, not to interrupt, but what time is NBA talk? Did anybody see my guy? Stay hard. Devin Booker last night. Dude, it, how the Suns look? How the how the how damn Phoenix Suns look, boy? Short, dude. He was in full headband book mode last night, dude. Like he was bawling, man. Any questions? No. Oh, Devin Booker last night. Man, I had to turn it off. I was it was getting too hot. Okay, that's enough. Stop, please. I had to turn it off. I'm telling you, the Suns are going to be good. Yeah. Oh, the Warriors and the Nuggies. And 
The Phoenix the Nuggies. The fi- oh, AR-15 in the Lakers. Josh Gideon in OKC. Nobody says that. Uh, oh, reset. <laughs> My bad. My bad. Uh, the Suns are going to be very good. Yeah. I think it is going to be an all-out brawl to get into the top five. And I think teams like Josh Mitty and the and the OKC. Dude, you're going to piss off Salty, bro. So what I have meant to Dude, say. Dude, what are you doing? Are you are you trying to stir up my guy here, man? And pardon me. Uh, uh, it. it um, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Suns are going to be very good. Uh, are the Clippers a top five team in the West? Are the Lakers a top? Well, they have they have Austin Reeves, so of right. course they are. Um, but right. are the Lakers a top five team in the West? <laughs> Are the Warriors with broken ass Chris Paul a top five no, team dude. in the West? First team all injury report is not top five <laughs> in the West, dude. Come on. My bad. Come on, dude. Salty says, don't go there, Jake. We're playing nice. Yeah, dude. I'm not trying to go like, hey, I didn't say Josh Mitty today, okay? <sighs> Even though that's a goaded name. I didn't say Josh Mitty today. <laughs> I took a low key shot. I took a low-key shot, absolutely. Who came up with Josh Mitty? Somebody. It it might have been. I don't know, but that's incredible. Somebody. Uh, Ali says, go Bucks." Uh, uh Uh-oh, Jake is lowering his eyebrows. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Derek Roche says, good morning, Cax. What's up, dude? Dude, bro, (laughs) come on now. Macaque. AAR, the LA Lakers are loaded. Yeah, they are. Um, it was Giddy the Jerk, Giggity the Jerk. That's right, oh. Giggity Josh Mitty. Right. You do. I mean, does does he have a restraining order against you, <laughs> or does he know that he needs to get one? Like maybe. You know, it is what it is. Uh, all right, let's get uh, let's get to picking some games, you guys. Um, uh, I there's there's several on the docket that I think are huge. Why don't we start with the the biggest two of the week? Oregon at Washington, where it is going to be beautiful weather and allegedly it's going to be perfect football conditions because we look at the weather and do research. We've never said the weather was going to be bad. Uh, Oregon at Washington, Huskies are minus three. The number is sixty seven, and I think this this is for my money anyway. The game of the year in the Pac-12. Um, I think it is It is going to be very interesting to see the way these two come together. It is the first time both Oregon and Washington are in the top 10 in the AP poll. Um, I think it is, it's the keys to the college football playoff kingdom. Um, I think Oregon is legitimately a, 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 a college football playoff contender. They have the defense. They have one of the best uh, quarterbacks in the country in Bo Nix, who is right on cue playing his best football of his career. I think Dan Lanning has his team absolutely balling out. I don't know how you take Washington to win this game. Yeah, you know, for me, I I, I would agree. I, I You have to take Oregon here. Um, now, am I going to be shocked if Washington finds a way? No, but I, I, my pick is going to be Oregon, and I think it's a close game. Uh, I'm going to say 38-35, Oregon. Uh, Oregon gets a stop late. That defense finishes it off for them. Four point. They're they're holding opponents to four yards a snap. 
at Oregon. Yeah, well, that's not going to happen in against co- Washington. In college football, yeah, they're holding teams to four yards a snap. You look at Washington, Washington is giving up five yards per play. Yeah. That's not good. Yeah, I, I think this is one of those classic matchups where, much like Texas and Oklahoma, it comes down to execution, and, and you can't waste possessions anymore in college football. And so to me... That's why I say, like, the everyone wants to talk about Michael Penix's cannon for an arm. I'm telling you, it, it's not just that. He's going to have to run for some first downs in this game. They will play outstanding defense uh, against Washington. I think third down conversions are going to be an absolute imperative indicator. You're going to have to convert on third down. Mm-hmm. I think, and it's why I love Oregon in this game. I think Bo Nix has been so good. Uh, early in drives, he is putting he is putting Oregon in high leverage situations on on second and third down. He has been so productive. He has been so difficult to deal with. His his run options have been very good. His disguise has been very good. But the one thing that really stands out to you is that Washington's defense is not nearly as good as Oregon's defense. And Bo Nix has done a very good job pre-snap identifying sets and identifying what defenses are trying to do to him. And I think that's what the difference in this game is going to be. Michael Penix Jr. is a wonderfully talented quarterback, but he's not seen a defense like this maybe in his entire career that he's going to see tomorrow against Oregon. I don't know two answers in this game. How does Michael Penix react to Oregon's defense? And what on earth is Washington's defense going to do to limit or stop Oregon offensively? And I think both those answers are in the negative for Washington. I could very easily see 31 points coming from Oregon in this game. And uh, honestly, if, 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 we're, if we're really going on gut and instinct, I could see 38-42 points from Oregon in this game. Because I just don't think Washington has a defense to stay with Oregon. And when I look at Oregon's defense, my question is, how many points can we expect from Washington? Man, I would be surprised if they gave up 24 points. And I, I, I really fear that Washington gets exposed in this game. And now I'm probably going to be wrong. I've been This year I have been just about 60% clip-picking games, so I could very easily be wrong. I just feel like Oregon is not on is is not on I don't think Oregon is on Washington's level. I just think Oregon is so much better. And maybe I should say Washington's not on Oregon's level. Yeah. I think Oregon is much better. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. <clears throat> I think the thing that's going to help Washington here is that obviously you're playing a home game and I would expect Washington to play one of their best games of the year. But to your point, I don't think that's good enough to get you a win here. And that's why I think it's a close game. I I, I don't I would be surprised if Oregon blew out Washington here and won this thing by like three possessions. I don't think that's happening. I, I much more see, you know, thirty eight points for Oregon. I, I think that's very on brand. And it's gonna come down to Michael Penix and that offense keeping up. And and I do think they can keep up. Um but I think well, their offense is explosive. You're exactly right about yeah, that. Yeah, and so it's like it's this dynamic and conversation where it's like, okay, Oregon has a great defense, but best offense beats best defense every time. So like, does so like as an example, Penix has like two interceptions on the year. I think yeah, two interceptions, sixteen touchdowns. This is not somebody who turns it over a whole hell of a lot. But you haven't seen Oregon's defense. The physicality of that defensive line uh, is clear. And so is Michael Penix rolling a lot? Are they going to force him? Like, as an example, Dan Lanning is notorious for making you roll uh, against the grain. 
So like as a left-handed quarterback, you going to push him, you going to push him out to the right every time? Are you going to be committed to that? Like that's what I think we, we need to figure out in this game. So to me, my prediction is 38-35, Oregon wins this 38-35. I think it's one of the best games of the year. I think Michael Penix and that offense has the ball uh late and Oregon stops them. Two things I would point to. The Oregon offensive line is unbelievably good. They are not they are not steamrollers, they are dump trucks. They yeah. are they're unbelievable. They run for 7 yards a carry. Um and I I think you look at some of the numbers that Bucky Irving is putting up. Um I there's a kid named Tez Johnson who's not Oregon's best receiver, but I think depth is going to win this game. And I think the way Bo Nix is performing, I think Tez Johnson is that number three receiver that is just going to make plays. And, of course, Troy Franklin's going to get his. I have no doubt about that. This offensive line has given up not one, not two, but only three sacks this year. Throw out the Portland State score. You're not averaging 51 points a game. You're only at that number because of Portland State. Okay, great. Throw it out. I am telling you right now, this is a 35-point performance out of Oregon. I have, I have, I am rarely over-the-top confident. I was looking at this game last night, trying to find a way to get Washington to 30 points, and I just can't see it. I think it's 35-24 Oregon. I like it. I like it. I still think even in that case, it's a great game. Yeah, and I, I think, I think Jalen McMillan's going to have to be out of his mind if Washington's going to win this game. Because Michael Penix Jr. is going to be in some really uncomfortable spots, and dudes are going to have to make plays on the football for them to win. And I just don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know yeah. how. I And I want to find, like, there's not a matchup in that Oregon secondary where I feel like Washington's just better. I think in the trenches, Oregon's just better. I think running the football, Oregon's just better. I think explosive offense, they're both explosive, but yeah. Oregon's just better yeah i i can't i cannot find a way to pick washington 35 24 is where i'm sticking and staying and i think dan lanning's temperament as much as i'm not a dan lanning guy in terms of how much of a red ass he is and you know how the whole colorado thing went or whatever like i i you have to respect what dan lanning's doing and i think a lot of their success is because dan lanning has this edge and his players embody that. They it's what you said earlier in the week. Dude, that defense is not interested in just beating you. That defense wants to punish you. They want to play a physical hurt you kind of game of football. And that's what I think that that's what I think ultimately wears Washington out. Whether it is 24 points for Washington or in my case 35, that's what's going to wear on this Washington offensive line. The physicality of that defense. And I'm telling you, there will be three or four big, like, hey, he dropped that dude for Washington type hit in this game. And that's what I think gives Oregon the edge. Yep. Uh, NBA Commissioner Salty, what happened to Teddy Wayman? I don't, you know, I haven't talked to Teddy in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to guess he's been busy, dude. He's always busy. Yeah. He's always busy. Uh, he's the tile king of Utah, man. Uh, let's see. Let's get some of your score predictions. Drop them. Oregon and Washington in the in the comments section below. Uh, where do you guys go with this? AAR says UW Huskies crowd noise. Crowd noise is going to be off the chain. But I think when you have a senior quarterback and experienced offensive line, like 
This is not an inexperienced Oregon team that will struggle to deal with crowd noise. I love Oregon in this game. Yeah, and seven yards of carry says the crowd noise doesn't matter. Michael Smith, Knicks leaves this game due to a high ankle sprain. I hope not. Uh, Coach slips Penix of Viagra, and he comes out rock hard and dangerous. Stay hard. Okay. Okay. Uh, Joseph Harper, last year's game was 37-34 Huskies at Oregon. Wouldn't be surprised to see the same result this year. Man, I just think Oregon's gotten better. Yeah. I think Oregon's gotten better. Bo Nix has undoubtedly gotten better. Yeah. Uh, Real question, what quarterback throws more picks, old Nix or old Penix? I don't think Nix is going to – Nix will not be in the position to turn the football over. I think who's ever trailing. That's a – just chase the lead in this game. Yep. Chase the lead in this game. Uh, On a serious note, Oregon-Washington game could be like West Virginia-Houston where whoever has the ball last wins. Very much could be. Very much could be. AAR says Oregon Ducks will not run effectively versus the Huskies. I, I don't. I totally disagree. The Ducks offensive line, they won't get seven yards of carry. The Ducks offensive line is but unbelievable. Even if they're getting four yards of carry, it's over. Because you're you're staying on schedule with the chains. You you in that case, and again, play calling as usual d- decides a lot of football games. But if you're running four yards of carry right out the gate, you're you know, you're second and six, third and two, like you're in a great place. And yeah. you're not like I don't care how good your defense is at Washington. You're if the Ducks are going to be third and two all day, this game's over. They cannot, you cannot allow them to be to be in third and short regularly. This in you when you watch this game, you pay attention to the Oregon Ducks offense and where they're at on third down. If they're third and five, third and seven, Washington will be in a much better spot. Yeah, I, I you cannot be third and long. Not, neither, neither one of these teams, and everybody talks about how explosive their offenses are, you guys. I'm telling you now, it doesn't matter how explosive you are when the defense can cut off half the field. Yeah. So we can all sit here and talk about, you know, the fact that, hey, they only scored 31 on, on Arizona. On the road, okay. You've scored 59, 41, 43, 56. But this is by far the best team they've played this year. Yeah. And I, I think the biggest I think one of the bigger questions is how much are you going to be able to run the football? That I think I think that's a huge question for Washington. And you're not going to get guys. I, I don't think you're going to get massive performances on the ground. That's just not what their offense is. They Washington's offense, and you granted you had some you had losses before. The season even started. You lost probably your your best running back for certain. But Michael Penix Jr. has been the center of this offense. He's rated 200, man. Like you you look at his rating, 16 touchdowns, two picks. It, you're not you're never going to be centered on the run when he is your when he is your quarterback. And Adunzi and I mean, you look at Jalen Polk's numbers. He's averaging 18 yards a catch. Yeah, man, like. This offense prides itself on throwing the ball. Uh, Tanner Plummer says Oregon 35-24. Uh, NE says Oregon 42-21. Tarrant County Boy says Pat Boren. Okay. Uh, William DeSilva, Oregon 41, Washington 28. Wow, so there's a lot of uh, Oregon winning. Um, Brandon Butler, Washington 35, or Oregon 30. Wow, there's a, there's a win there. 
Roche says 41-37 Oregon. Uh, Katie Rader, Monty, now hold on. You rag on Texas Tech and Texas Tech's defense. The defense had Oregon way behind and the game in position to win. They did. They did. I don't disagree with that. And I think, I what have we talked about with the Texas Tech-Oregon game? I think, I think Lubbock's one of the more difficult places to go and win a game. Mm-hmm. And I think Oregon built character in that win. So I, I – And I think there's a certain level of pride for Oregon when you're playing Washington. With all due respect to Texas Tech, and I'm not even saying it's about Tech versus Washington. It's I'm a different game. It's a different game for Oregon. It's Washington, Oregon is by far a bigger rivalry than Oregon, Texas Tech. I think Texas Tech's defense, my issue all year has been play calling. I, and I always point to the Wyo game. Why are you why are you jailbreaking Wyo's offense in, in the fourth quarter in overtime? They hadn't been able to throw on you. Why are you blitzing them? Yeah. The play calling on defense has been what I've ragged on. I mean, they're they're talented. It's what I say. Like you have a guy like Caesar at Houston. It's play calling on defense. It is. Hmm. Don't no no. Katie Rader, I'm not playing your game today. No sir. I'm kidding. Good to see you. Uh, Forty one thirty seven. Um, OG Gary says not third, but I'm long. He's a bit. He's, he's right so like you're that was that was sort long. of a uh you know macaque. A, yeah a macaque joke we get it right uh Derek Rosham worried the loser won't get enough respect from the AP this is not Texas yeah, but that's Oklahoma. what you're playing for dude that's what that's you're right. playing for man that's right this is not Texas Oklahoma uh Dakota Tubbs AR you better be careful man those emojis gonna get you thrown into YouTube jail because it's illegal you know, I didn't even see emojis. I don't break the rules. But that's okay. Um, let's go Notre Dame. Let's go USC. Man, this game is nervous time. Because I think USC represents the easiest path to the college football playoff mm-hmm. for the Pac-12. But this is not going to be a rubber stamp. This is not going to be an easy game. It's a rivalry game for the ages. It's one of the best rivalries in the country. Notre Dame, USC in South Bend. It is going to be not great weather. And I think it's not going to matter. I think USC's offense is spectacular. I think USC's defense is not spectacular. (laughs) So there leaves a lot of questions about who wins this game and how it will be won. I think Sam Hartman is a quarterback that is capable of doing anything that you need him to do. And I think when you look at the way that they have played on offense, Sam Hartman's been what's right with Notre Dame's offense. Sam Hartman, in my opinion, is a guy that is the heart and soul of this team. He's a transfer and he's a captain. And that beard is all you need to know. That's a good-looking beard. I'm for real. And he backs it up. That's the thing I respect about Sam Hartman. But the question is, is Sam Hartman's heart and soul enough alone to keep Notre Dame in this game? And I just think the answer is no, he's not. Because he's not the explosive quarterback that Shador Sanders was. He doesn't have the outside talent that Shador Sanders has. Right. But he is going against that USC defense. 
What do you expect from Sam Hartman tomorrow? Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take his best to win this game. I, I think that you can't have, you know, you can't have any missteps on offense if you're Notre Dame. And, and I only say that because you're playing a defense that, you know, again, as we've said a hundred times is not good. Um, and you need to take advantage of that. If Notre Dame's going to win this game, they got to score at least 30 here. This, this I'm terrified. I'll be honest. I'm terrified of this, this roller coaster they're on first three games. You're 40 points plus as an offense. Last three games, you're 18. You're struggling. Like that's not good enough. And Against USC, I, yeah, I think you're going to have to score 30 to be in the game, and and to me, that's what that's what I'm worried about is how do they how how do you go about this? Yes, their offense is capable of putting up 30 points. There's no question about that. But do we see that offense? Does good Notre Dame offense show up, or do we get terrible Notre Dame offense? That's what I don't know. So in mm -hmm. a in a at a home game against USC. Weather's a little iffy. Yeah, I would expect the good offense to show up. I would expect Bulldog Audric Estime vibes to show up. I would expect Mitchell you know, Evans, number eighty-eight, the tight end is is going to be critical here. That's the offense that needs to show up because you didn't throw the ball to Evans against Louisville nearly enough, and that costs you heavy. But in a in a gutty win, who did Sam Hartman turn to against Duke? Well, he turned to Mitchell Evans. And I think you know what you have in Chris Tyree. I think Rico Flores is a kid that is emerging everything, every single snap he gets. But my two questions are, are you committed to throwing the ball to the tight ends, and are you going to throw the ball to the backs? Because USC's going to blitz. They have the athletes to run with Notre Dame. And I think you are going to have to be patient enough at Notre Dame and you are going to have to take some quick throws, and that means you're going to have to throw the ball to Evans. And I just don't believe, and again, I'll be the jerk about it, I don't believe that they have patience in play calling at Notre Dame. And it's something against Louisville that really reared its ugly head in that loss where you just did not call the right play at the right time, and you did not push the right button, and you, in my opinion, wound up killing yourself over it. Because... I think if if you will commit to the run against – you've got to run the clock. Mm -hmm. With the clock rules in college football, if you're Notre Dame, you can't get into a 40-50 point game with USC. You're never going to be in that game. Run the football, throw the ball between the hashes to, to Evans, and control the clock and make sure you limit USC to as few – you've got to play the way that West Virginia plays, which is we're going to hold the ball and you're not – and we're going to be in close games where you're going to have to beat us on a Hail Mary. That's why a lot of people wonder why West Virginia is winning because mm -hmm. of time of possession. Notre Dame's got to have that edge against teams like USC because Notre Dame's not explosive. Throw the ball at a tight end. Throw the ball to the, the running backs and take your occasional shot down the field. That's the key to winning against USC. And it's why Notre Dame's going to lose in this game. Unfortunately, I think this is going to be a 42-31 kind of game. And again, I'm a big matchup guy. I'm trying to find a way to believe that Notre Dame can eclipse 35 points in this game, and I just don't see it happening. Why would we expect that now when they haven't done that previously? Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree. Totally agree. And that's why I think... 
you know, to me, I, I, my vote's going to be that Notre Dame's offense sputters still. I, I say USC is going to be 35 points in this game. Notre Dame's going to struggle to get to 21. And I think it stays, uh, stays under. All right. Kim Coulter says off to play golf here in Lubbock. Hit him straight. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Kim, I appreciate that. $100 to your advocates cause. Oh, man, I appreciate that. Appreciate you, Kim. The advocates, you guys, and I, I think you probably know this because I've really tried to hit it every single day on the show. The advocates are raising money um, for homeless kids to have Halloween costumes and I simply am asking you for a dollar, five dollars, a million dollars, whatever you can spare. I'm asking you to consider it. Hit them on Venmo, advocates, donations, advocates, donations on Venmo. If you're on YouTube with us, there it is on the screen. Screenshot it, send it away, please. In the memo section, if you could put the Monty Show Halloween, that'd be great. Or just put homeless Halloween, whatever you're comfortable with. We always appreciate you shouting out the show. But whatever you can do, a dollar, five dollars, whether You've got a million dollars, whatever you can do. Let's give some homeless kids two hours of fun and let's take the load of their life off their minds. That's what we're after here because you know, again, not to rail on this, but homeless kids struggle more than the average kid struggles. You have homeless kids that don't have a, a wide array of wardrobe, so they get picked on for the clothes they wear. A lot of times homeless kids don't have the ability to take a shower every day, so they get picked on for that. A lot of times homeless kids are not as socially adjusted as other kids are. So they don't have a lot of friends. So on a day like Halloween when all, every, all the other kids are out running around in their G.I. Joe, Power Ranger, Batman, whatever your choice is of costumes, you have a homeless kid that probably doesn't have a costume and probably may not even get to trick-or-treat. Let's give them a costume. Let's, let's get them the white chocolate Reese's peanut butter pumpkins. Let's get them the Snickers bars so they can go to school with candy so that they can feel normal for a couple hours and then have a great Monday. Donate to the advocates on Venmo. Advocates donations. Let's give some homeless kids some Halloween costumes. Tell them you heard about it on the Monty. Show OG Gary. Notre Dame is going to sun USC. Really? So am I the only one that thinks that Notre Dame's got no shot here? I just, I don't, I don't see it. Um, Shouty, anybody notice it's the 13th? Why bring it up? Why bring it up? Uh, Joseph uh, Harper, USC 28, Notre Dame 27. Man, I would love that. Jeremy Callahan, what's up, Jeremy? Against the USC defense, should be able to score 100. Man, any, I hope you're right. Notre it Dame 31 28. It would be embarrassing for Lincoln Riley to lose this game, in my opinion. Mike Smith, Notre Dame is evil, and evil will not prevail this weekend. Okay. Brandon Butler, I feel like Notre Dame versus USC feels like Utah versus USC's game last year. It very much does. It very much does. Uh, Cispro, Notre Dame needs to control the clock. Keep Caleb on the sidelines, too. Yeah. Absolutely right. Yep. 100%. 100%. Notre Dame's going to need some help from J-Man this weekend. God will rain down tears for the end of USC's In God's playoff chances. And likeness. Then we will be talking if Notre Dame is overrated. Jokes on us. Both teams are. <laughs> God will rain down tears for the end of USC's playoff chances. Notre Dame, our mother. Mike Smith, Friday the 13th. That explains the random black cat leaving dookie sticks on my backboard. 
George. <laughs> Mountain Mama, baby. OG Gary, Notre Dame's going to sun USC. Okay. Daniel Dixon, good morning to you. Uh, West Virginia lost yesterday, LOL. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. Um, Mike Smith, I wonder if Notre Dame would ever allow the band Ghost to play on campus. Don't do it. Uh, K. Nuren, BYU 24-17. We'll get to that in a moment. Commissioner uh, Salty Drunk, I cannot access Venmo down here, guys. If I donate to the program, can you forward it to the cause? Of course. Appreciate that, Salty. Uh, CE, USC will give up 300 yards on the ground alone. Man, Audra Kessme, I'm curious how healthy he is. Daniel Dixon, USC 14, Notre Dame 3. Wow, real barn burner here. Outside the box. Uh, Robert Fowler, Monty, I got a question for you. Can college football games be flexed? Can game times be changed from, yes, week to week, or are they set in stone? No, they can be flexed, absolutely. Uh, Shoddy, I hope Washington and Ducks got the same good game as Texas and Oklahoma last set. Me too. Yeah. There's nothing like it. There is absolutely nothing like it. Uh, BYU at TCU, Fort Worth. How about TCU, a six-point home favorite, 52-and-a-half, 230 on ESPN. Right away, your read on this game is what? 28-17, BYU. Whoa! TCU's going to turn Whoa. the football over in this game. Yeah. Really? I think TCU's going to turn the football over in this game. I think BYU's got two touchdowns off of that, uh, defensive or otherwise, I'm not sure. Uh, and I think Cody Epps is going to have a coming out party. I think, I hope Cody Epps is healthy. I love my guy. NF, NFL prospect, there's no doubt about it. I think this game is massive in the grand scheme of things for TCU. Um, and I think BYU is in a position where you you feel like, or at least I do, I feel like BYU is in a position where if everything breaks right, and, and I mean if everything breaks right, BYU could could be in a position to play for a a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Now, Oklahoma is the big question mark there because Oklahoma's schedule, UCF, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Bedlam's that week where you just don't know, but I think Oklahoma's so over the top better. West Virginia, BYU, at BYU. Can BYU beat Oklahoma at home? Well, to accomplish that, they're going to have to beat TCU this week. BYU is going to have a chance to win games of consequence that could put them very near the top of this conference. And it starts tomorrow in Fort Worth. Yeah. Here is my question. And I think it is, it, this is the question that we, we will ask every single week. Who's going to be the breakout star for BYU? Because, again, I tell you, I look at the win over Cincinnati and Cincinnati may not be a world beater, but they're not the easiest team to contend against. LJ Martin has to get 20 carries a game. I'm begging. A-Rod, I'm begging you, the offensive coordinator BYU, I am begging you to give LJ Martin 20 carries a game. You have to. And I'm asking you to throw him the ball three to five times a game. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. You will win more than you will lose yeah. because you have wide receivers Chase Roberts, Darius Lassiter, Isaac Rex is having an unbelievable season. And I truly believe you add Cody Epps into this mix. 
and Keanu Hill, who's contributing already, you have a dynamic offense with a quarterback capable. Now, I'd love to see him be more efficient and accurate with his passes, but Keaton Slovis is doing the job. If they win in Fort Worth this weekend, you cannot convince me that BYU will not be in every single game they play and that Oklahoma game in Provo is going to be gigantic. But again, it all starts against TCU. And I am with you. I love this BYU offense. I like what they are doing. I have had all my questions answered by Jay Hill in the BYU defense. I love Max Tooley. I love Ben Bywater. I love Jacob Robinson. I love the back half of this defense. They're playmakers. They're ball hawking. They're physical up front. I have no doubt BYU will get after a freshman quarterback's ass. How many points will BYU score in this game? I think that's a big, big question mark because they have been at times erratic when it comes to the final score offensively. 35 against Cincinnati, just 27 in Lawrence against Kansas. Okay. 38 at Arkansas. 41 against directional Utah. And 14 against Sam Houston. So is this a 20-something or a 30-something offense? Well, it turns out in the bigger game against better opponents, they're a 30-something offense. Mm-hmm. And if they if BYU scores 30 points, I have a hard time believing TCU with a freshman quarterback can do the same. Yeah, and I just think that, that TCU's offense reliably has been underwhelming. I mean, there's just no way around that. I mean, you haven't been the same guy in, in a sense. And so to me, I just think it's asking a lot for a freshman quarterback to come out here against this BYU defense and have a big day. I I think when you talk about Jay Hill, his guys are always prepared. They're typically in the right spot, uh, thinking about the right thing and looking to execute their job. And and to me, when a defense plays disciplined football, that's what leads to turnovers and being in the right spot just to have the opportunity. It's why Max Tooley has as many interceptions as he does because he's in the right spot doing his job. So to me... I, yes, I think the BYU offense is going to have a nice day, but I think the BYU defense is ultimately going to be the undoing of TCU because I just think that you're going to turn the football over. That's going to give it right back to Keaton and the boys, and they're going to take it down the field, and there's nothing you're really going to do to stop them. I would love to see BYU come out in the first quarter and get ahead 14 points. I'd love to see them just take control of the game, uh, but we'll see. But, yeah, I, I would say 28-17 BYU. I, I think that's pretty comfortable. 31-21 BYU wins the game. And I feel really strongly about that. I I, I think BYU's got everything in front of them. The yeah. only game on their schedule that I think is in question is Texas. I, I can't see them going to DKR and competing. I want to. I just can't see him going down to, to Austin and winning a football game. Not against this – not against – you don't have a Taysom Hill yeah. to jump over DBs. Like, at, not against this Texas team. They can beat Oklahoma. In, at, at, I, I, I believe that. They can beat Oklahoma. You look at what's in front of them. Their, their two toughest games are Texas and Oklahoma. They're not going to beat Texas. Can they beat Tech in Provo? Yes. Can they beat West Virginia in Morgantown? It's tight. It's a pivotal game. They can beat Iowa State. They can beat Oklahoma. 
and then they got to go to to Stillwater. BYU is going to have every opportunity to be be in the mix for the Big Twelve Championship game. They just got to win games. Yeah, they got to have a result on the field. Period. It, and I know that sounds crazy, but we'll see. Uh, NBA Commissioner Salty Drunk. Have a great weekend, guys. It's three fifteen a.m. here. I'm off. Oh man, sleep well, my guy. Appreciate you being see you, here, dude. Uh, Kevin the Destroyer, BYU in Texas, October 28th. I want I want it to be a game, but I can't do it. No. I can't do it. I can't do it. Texas is clearly a better team. Dakota Tubbs, BYU going to hit their over on wins for the season this weekend. Still can't believe Vegas had BYU only winning four games this year. Felt like free money when I took the position. <laughs> And about to be right. I would agree. Uh, Matthew, uh, Farmer, Bailey is going to run all over BYU. Let's find out. We'll see. Let's find out. I, I I, think TCU, unfortunately, I think TCU is one of the most disappointing teams in the Big 12. We knew they would backslide a little bit from their run to the national championship game. No doubt about it. But this far, that's it's surprising. It's a lot. That's surprising. You know, um, BYU in Texas. Yes, October 28th in uh, Austin. Uh, Robert Fowler, not going to be much of a game. 35-17 BYU. Wow. Uh, Matthew Farmer, slavish Slovis, I think you mean. It's going to be, it's going to fold. He won't. He has, he has had opportunities to do that. There you go. Slovis, I can't type. And he hasn't. He hasn't folded. Daniel Dixon, Iowa State going to surprise more people by winning more games. Yeah, Very well could be. Take. And you got to respect what they've done. They need to win on the road now. They need to win on the road. Certainly they need to win on the road. OG Gary, I said before the season started, I expect BYU to win six games. Um, Dakota Tubbs, Iowa State plays football? No, they don't. Is that true? We may have to uh, go short in a couple cases. Are you sure? Are you sure? Um, he's the best running back that no one knows. Well, listen, I, I don't... I don't disagree that the the issue is you can't run your way to wins, in my opinion, not this way. And and if we learned anything about if we learned anything about TCU, Amani Bailey ran the ball twenty one times for one hundred and fifty two yards, average seven point two yards a carry, and you got blown out. Yeah. You got blown out. You're not this team. This TCU team is not built to run for wins. Mm -hmm. You have to have quality quarterback play. Your freshman has to be better than he was last week. And a freshman's going to get better every rep, every single rep. Full week of prep, full week of film, full week of preparation that that he has never had before. But is Josh Hoover ready for a dynamic, disguising defense like BYU? And I, I don't care if you play this game in the Bermuda Triangle. He's going to see things tomorrow that he's never seen before. Right. And I think that I think you're just asking too much. And, you know, you, you the, the bigger thing is with, with Iowa State, like Rocco Beck was 16 to 28 for 138, and they won. They scored 27 points with that. Oh, that's right. Iowa State ran for 215 yards. 5.8 yards a carry. BYU's capable, man. Yeah. I'm telling you. And BYU is not to be trifled. You, If BYU starts running the – if if LJ Martin's averaging 6.2 yards a carry, good luck because Keaton Slovis now has real weapons that are established. Yeah. yeah. 
So that's why I say, like, if you're BYU, come out, establish the run, run some play action, and let's go on about our business. Because you know it's going to be there. You know it's going to be there. I mean, hell, losing to Iowa State 27-14 to 14 and you're running the ball that way, what does that tell you? Well, that tells me you don't have much of a passing game and you sure as hell don't have much of a defense. And I just look at the way Iowa State came out in the third quarter and the Abu Sama run that broke TCU's back, TCU never recovered from that. Yeah. And if you're going to give that to BYU and you're going to allow – you're going to allow <laughs> what did, what did they run off 17 straight points Iowa State ran off on you I mean, you can't have that yeah you can't have that I, I TCU is going to have to prove who they are and where they are I, I'm going to take BYU and I, I feel like TCU is going to struggle struggle to score 17 points yeah so I don't know you guys you, listen. Matthew Former says, I still say TCU has better talent. Man, then you don't know BYU. Yeah. BYU's, BYU's defense. And we're not BYU fans, we're dude. Not. And don't we're roll not. that out here because we're not. We're not. We are not. Yeah. Um. All right. Which, let's go Oregon State, UCLA. Because, Jake, I, I guess my question here is, does UCLA – and I said this the other day, and people thought that I was high as a kite. Right. I promise you I'm not. Right. Isn't UCLA a dark horse for the Pac-12 championship? And I, and I think they are, and I know people think I'm nuts. Mm-hmm. But tell me again that UCLA is not a dark horse for the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think that UCLA is, is in a situation where they're a really physical team. You know, the, the defense is dialed. You know, I, I I look at the quarterback play and it's it's really good. Dante Moore is, is is having a season and and obviously you know losing DTR is that's big shoes to fill. So I mean I you know he's having a good year, but the the whole thing about them being a dark horse is just simply that they're a physical team. They they very much have the I want to run you over. You know I want to uh, hurt you on defense type style. And so when I look at a a, a UCLA. Oregon State game and UCLA is at Oregon State like this is not going to be some easy win for UCLA but a but a dark horse team should go out and handle Oregon State the only problem with that is is DJ Uyunglele is playing really good football and at Reeser I'm inclined to take Oregon State because of that I I look at DJ and 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 I look at what he's done and, and you're talking about a team that that that's got 21 points on Utah's defense. And I know Utah's got offensive issues. I I know that that's a good team, generally speaking. But but against that defense, to put up 21 points is pretty good. And, and you look at some of their other performances, like Cal. Cal's a physical team. Now, they're not a good team, right? I'm not saying that Cal's a world beater. But y- y- you're talking about on the road putting up 52 points. Like, Oregon State's offense is good. And so the question's going to be who play who plays better, DJ Uyungle or that UCLA defense? Because ultimately, Reeser, I think you have to take you have to take DJ. But if UCLA is going to be this dark horse and they're going to make some kind of run, they have to win games like this. And I look around college football and there are a lot of opportunities where a ranked, you know, eight number eighteen UCLA is playing number fifteen Oregon State, and you're like, okay, well, who's gonna edge? And so I'm inclined to take DJ in the offense over UCLA's defense. And I think when you compare UCLA to other teams in the conference, did you throw UCLA up against 
SC November 18th. Like, that's going to be a war. That is going to be an absolute war. And don't tell me that UCLA is not in that game because I think they are. So, yeah, UCLA is a dark horse to, to be in this conference. But it starts with going to Reeser and beating Oregon State. So, to me, yeah, they're a good fit to be a dark horse. But they're going to have to execute uh, on the road in a tough environment. Awkward bathroom moment. What? Having a conversation and people or trying not to have conversations and everybody's like, hey, 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 hey. I'm like, what did they want? He, they wanted to talk about my shirt. Your shirt. <laughs> sure. I'm telling, old man bladder. I gotta go. The one time nobody ever talks in the bathroom. And it's only ten thirty. How are there people in the bathroom? Three people in the bathroom <coughs> and one dude <coughs> trying to fist bump me out of the stall. Oh, what? What? Are, dude, what do we do? Dude, we, bro, what are we doing? Not are, are these good. now now let me ask you this really quick, not to get mm-hmm. distracted, but mm-hmm. were these people in the office you knew or were these strangers? Uh one I knew, two I did not know. Okay. Well. And then there was some piling on on the shirt. Well, that came out wrong. Uh, anyway. Uh don't conversate awkwardly. Yeah. Uh I think UCLA has a very good chance to be in the conversation for the Pac 12 championship. And I think it, it all ends and begins with Oregon State this weekend. Um, the, the interesting thing about, about UCLA is I don't think people understand how physical they are. Yeah. And I think when we look at defenses and I think when you look at, um, you know, like some of, the better, some of the better stories in the conference, I think absolutely you have to put, you have to put UCLA in that conversation because – you, you you are now a, t- a team that has to be dealt with at home. Now, of course, Coastal Carolina, you know, NC, North Carolina, Directional, Central, Maine. But you beat Washington State pretty soundly. You were physically dominant over Washington State. And I think that's the biggest question about UCLA is, is there a lot of bang on the offensive side of the ball? And like what you were talking about with Moore, do you believe that Dante Moore is a dynamic, game-changing quarterback? I don't think he is yet. But if they're going to win, he's going to have to be because I have a hell of a lot of respect for Oregon State. Mm-hmm. And I think this is one of those games where we figure out who Carson Steele is and we start figuring out, you know, like how good is is Chip Kelly's defense? Because it's odd to say that Chip T- Kelly's got this great defense. But what did Chip Kelly complain about this season? Clock, clock rules, clock rules, clock rules. Pissed about the clock rules because he still wants to play this high-octane offense that I'm telling you is not the way you win football games. Mm-hmm. You win football games now not by scoring 42, but why don't you take the 35 instead of the 42? Yeah. I think that's where you win football games today. And and I look at this defense, and I look at uh, Latu, and I look at Jones and Murphy and Madrano. Like, you have talent on UCLA's defense now. And my 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 belief is... This game, while it's not as sexy and it's not at the top of anybody's list, this game right here could go a very long way to determining the Pac-12 championship game. Yeah, and I think, you know, when we talk about Dante Moore being explosive or being a game changer, I mean, I, I again, I'm always a big believer, just like we do with the Oregons of the world or any other team in the country, hey, what do you do to the really bad teams? And and I look at, you know, the San Diego State performance, that's a 35 to 10 performance. That's domination. And I know that... San Diego State's got no business being on the same field as UCLA right now, but still, I mean, again, like you know, I North Carolina directional fifty nine to seven, 
Like, that defense is really good, and that offense is clicking. And that's why I say, and I know we don't want to talk about weather. It's going to rain in this game. Just book it. It will be raining during this game. And that tells me that, it, hey, whoever runs the ball is going to be in a much better position in this game. And I'm more inclined to take Oregon State at home, even though the odds makers are saying, hey, UCLA, UCLA. I'm telling you, do not be scared to say, hey, it's at Reeser, bad weather game. Oregon State's got that defense, and all DJ's got to do is be reasonable in this game for them to win. That's what I think UCLA's problem is here. There is no question in my mind that DJ Uyunglele is going to be the reason they win or lose this game. Um, less interceptions, more efficiency, protect the football. Um, you know, I think Silas Bolden is a guy that nobody wants to talk about because you don't know who he is. And I, he, I think he is a remarkably talented wide receiver, uh, but he has multiple wide receivers that are talented. I think this is Oregon State's game to lose. Um, I think research is one of the great atmospheres in college football. Um, and I think this is a very low-scoring game because these are two face-mask-bending teams. I think this is somewhere 20-17, to 17, and I think I, I think you have to favor Oregon State in the game. Yeah. yeah. I think it's 21-17. I'm going to go with Oregon State. Yeah, I, I think that – yeah, I want to say Oregon State gets to, like, the mid-20s. Like, I feel like – that's gonna be tough. Uh, you know, I I I feel like they've been rolling. I feel like we're yeah, like 24, 24 points for Oregon State feels right to me because you're at home. So you figure, okay, you're gonna be at least fourteen points, no problem, because you're at home. So you figure another ten if they're playing well. Um, yeah, so I like twenty four seventeen. Yeah, I think you know, just kind of like what you said, a few more points for Oregon State. Uncle Filthy OSU's gonna stomp them. Go, hash, uh, or brackets, beaver emoji. Okay. Okay, Derek Roche, are you saying BYU isn't, in, in, isn't inconsistent anymore? Oh, I think they are. What did I miss it? What did I miss up here? Uh, Robert Fowler, I uh, totally agree with you, Monty. UCLA is a dark horse. It all depends in how more plays. That being said, being in Corvallis and what the Beavs did to Utah can't go against them. 24-17 Beavers, I'm with you. Yeah. Hundo yeah. P. Monty, I'm a BYU fan, Katie Raider says. They have, ostr they have ostracized and held back for years. They are the only ones of the first four that I am happy to Big 12 added. I am pulling for OSU and Washington State for the same reason. Okay, I got respect for that. Dakota Tubbs, got to love random office bathroom banter. <laughs> Nine times out of ten you do. Oh, yeah, not water cooler talk, crapper talk. Piling on in the bathroom, okay. Quite literally. Stop. Stop. You know. Uh, Kyle A., are you, still got, are you guys still doing your show at the Maverick Center? We are not doing our show at the Maverick Center. We are in the uh, – we built a 86-story office tower just so we could have a very high oh, view. We're on the second floor in an office building, and it's lovely. Beautiful windows. I love it. Yeah, Absolutely we're on the second floor like Russell Wilson, you know? <laughs> yeah. My name is Luca. What, what did he ever do to you? What do you mean? Did he hurt you? Uh, Jaron Eccles, do you guys think AI will affect sports gambling in the future as it gets smarter and smarter? There's Certainly. no question. Certainly. On both sides of it. Gamblers will use it to project, and books and casinos and you know line makers will absolutely be using it for modeling. 
There's no doubt about it. Uh, Mike Smith, Beavers will be dancing in the rain. That sounds like a rom-com. Richard Salino, Oregon State is different at home. They are. Yeah. They are. Uh, Shouty, thanks for the morning show, Monty, afternoon show. I can't chat. I can't chat with anyone because it restricts us from chat. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being here, man. Um, Mike says, save the Pac-12. Ha, ha, ha. Well, you try. You do try. All right. Let's let's switch gears. Um, I think, and I guess here's, where do you want to go here? Because there's a couple places I want to go non-sports related today. Okay. Do you use self-checkout? This <coughs> really, really pisses me off. It grinds your gears. Here on the Monty Show, you know that we use self-checkout at buckedup.com when we use the promo code MONTY20 to save 20% off at checkout. Right now in the description below, you guys can get a sample pack and a free shaker, and you can make any color combination of the shaker you want. Go get your pre-workouts. Go get your collagen peptides. Go get your, your endurance. Go get your BAMFs and your LFGs, the best workout supplements in the business. You know that's what Bucked Up's all about. Because Bucked Up uses elite ingredients to make elite products that do exactly what they say they're going to do. High stim, low stim, no stim. They've got it all for you. They want to give you three free samples and a free shaker. And again, not because they're partners of ours, their shakers are the best. They have a post with the blender ball attached to it so you don't lose it down the disposal like certain people. Um, I love the Bucked Up shaker. It is the best by far. Go get one free. Cover it after after your beeves. Cover it after your pew-pews. Go get it right now in the link below. Uh, in the description, you can get yourself a free Bucked Up shaker and three supplements. Go hook it up. BuckedUp.com, the official energy provider of the Monty Show. Um, this annoys me to no end. I hate self-checkout. Now, I need to disclose... I used to be a checker at a grocery store called Jewel Food Stores. Bet you weren't expecting this one. I was a cashier at Jewel Grocery Store in Chicago for many years. One of the best gigs I ever had. Paid weekly, union, got benefits, job security was awesome. I specifically do not use self-checkout because I believe in employees and I believe in the unions. And I believe that self-checkout is causing violence at Walmarts. (laughs) There has been <laughs> technology advancements in self-checkout. Right. And apparently at Walmart, they have the ability to, through weight and through digital scanning of how many products are in a certain area, they know whether you scan the product or not. And it freezes the machine and, as you know, flashes a light. Multiple Walmarts across the country have reported attacks on employees over frustration with the self-checkout machines at Walmart. And as you can see, I'm going through some shit right now. Why are you, you're a self-checkout guy. (laughs) Yeah, and the main reason I'm a self-checkout guy is because the quality of checkers has gone way down. It's now turned into a thing where they're, you know, they're providing a poor experience for a number of different reasons. They're either in a bad mood or they're not trying to talk to you or whatever. I agree. Like, that's a problem. You know, and, and specifically, um, you know, there is one store locally that I love going to that 
has checkers that don't know the produce codes. And if I can do it faster than you, you're not good at your job, respectfully. And that bothers me. I don't want to stand. I don't want to check out for 15 if minutes. I can do it faster than you. Yeah, like a, a, a good checker. And I don't have a problem if you need to look up a code, right? It's not the, the, the physical act of looking up like the produce code for an apple is not my issue. My issue is, is you have no idea where that code is in your code book. I'm not asking you to memorize every code in the damn store. There's thousands. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, okay, just know where the code is in the book. Just have some idea of where to look. But they don't even do that. So your issue is not that you love self-checkout. Yeah. You hate the caliber of employee that yeah. is running it, the checkout machine. I'm not asking for some Fortune 500 CEO to be checking me out. What, what I'm saying is, hey... All you have to do to be a good checkout person or a good checker, as they say, a cashier, just you don't even have to be friendly. Just say, hey, did you find everything all right? Like just the core fundamentals. Hey, did you find everything all right? Yeah, awesome. Do you want paper or plastic? Uh, I want paper today. Hey, would you like your meats in plastic? Uh, absolutely. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Do your job. Move along. It's not that hard. But when I got to stand there awkwardly and look at the people behind me in line <laughs> while you're looking for some four-digit number in a code book that you have no idea how to read, that's not a fun experience for me. No, I don't disagree. And so um, that's why I wind up in self-checkout. But, but I also think that's the issue in fast food. That's the issue. Totally. At, but what's your – what? like I won't go to self-checkout at Costco. Costco has self-checkout. Costco, though, is smart. Typically, Costco has adults checking you out. Most, yes. Right? Yes, their customer-facing employees yes. are highly scrutinized. And the, the checkout experience at Costco is much quicker. Uh -huh. And yet the self-service, self-checkout line at Costco is miles long. I've never understood it. Yeah. And... I don't know. I probably overthink it. I am not. I am. I'm just not that well, guy. I, I do think there's something to say for like this conversation around the low end job as a young person disappearing the in our low country. End job. Well, think about it. Like the checker, the fast food worker, like that lower end job that we all had as youngsters is disappearing now. Right now in California, you'll get paid $20 to flip a burger and that's fine. I have no problem with that. But where are kids going to for work now? Online. Online, they're fine. There are more ways to make money without leaving your house than there's ever been. And so you're seeing fast food workers are now middle-aged, unemployed people. Yeah. And you look at Costco, look at the median age of the Costco employee. It's not young. And I, this is my problem with, with Walmart. Like, I think Walmart as a corporation is, is amazing. But they make some decisions that drive me nuts. Like, why do you have old people checking receipts at Walmart? Well, the obvious answer is, yeah, we don't, we're trying to limit theft. Right. But the issue is, nobody, ha do you guys understand that at Walmart, there's a whole viral craze of refusing to show your receipt at the front door because they cannot hold you there and they cannot make you show them your receipt because it's not a membership or club. At Costco, you have to show your receipt because it's part of your membership terms. Yeah. So there's all these people that get into these physical altercations with Walmart employees, to which I say, well, if you're the one doing that, you're an asshole. Yes. Right? But I think Walmart puts their employees in terrible positions. But I just think we've fallen into this cycle in society now where retail theft is sky high. Right? And 
So we have old dudes at Walmart getting beaten up over self-checkouts and, and receipt checking. Yeah, and, and, and not that it's an excuse, but I think the the market conditions right now are fueling it. I, I mean, you're talking about things being really expensive. Everything from a box of cereal to whatever, consumer goods are more expensive. So when consumer goods are more expensive and we have social media telling you that you can go to Walmart and just take whatever you want and they can't check you on it, what do you expect to happen? And then, to your point, you're going to put old people at the checker position? What, what are we doing? Yeah. I mean, I, that's the issue. Yeah, I totally I, – I just think it's a mistake. And and this is why the 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 outrage over malls closing is incredible to me. But this is why I always tell you, too, I don't go to Walmart or Target. Yeah. I you, Well, Target's this, a different story. Target's a cut above no, Walmart. No, it's not. Actually, no, it's not. In my opinion, that it's not. Walk into a Target – Pretty much any time of your in your free time, so weekends or, or early evenings, and it's a it's a disaster. You're surrounded by people. I hate the the way they run their checkout lines. I targeted people who shop at Target believe that it's a cut above Walmart. I think people who shop at Target are you're the ones that call it Target. You're the ones who have to have every tumbler that Starbucks puts out, and you get it from the <laughs> you get it from the Starbucks inside of Target. Target's not different or better, in my opinion. And I don't hate Target. I don't hate Walmart. I just am not going to go there. Why would I go there when I can get anything that you order on Amazon? This is why I'm an Amazon shopper. Because I don't want to deal with I don't want to deal with people assaulting Walmart employees. I knew today would be shitty. I don't want to be around that. I don't want to be around a million and one people at Target. When dude will drop it off on my front door tomorrow mm -hmm. or in a lot of cases today. Mm -hmm. Why would I do that? And if I'm going to go retail shopping, I'm going to Harmon's or I'm going to Costco and then I'm not going anywhere else. I don't know. I'm probably old man on my porch with this stuff, but because I know you youngsters love going to Target. You're, you're a huge Target shopper. Yeah, I like Target. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the guy who drinks Starbucks and calls it Target, but I... Yeah, you are. No, I no, don't drink not. Starbucks and I don't call it Target, and I disagree. I do think that Target is a little more civilized than Walmart in most cases. Walmart typically is, again, chaos. It is. When you Always. walk in there, you know what you're getting into. And I'm not saying that that the inventory Walmart has is bad. They have everything under the sun. It's a great store from a product standpoint. It's not a great store from an experience standpoint. I will avoid Target as much as I can every time I can. And I occasionally get roped into it by Mrs. Monty, but not very often. Mm -hmm. Not very often. Uh, Walmart causes violence at Walmart. Well, sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Jeremy Callahan, I have a pew-pew colored shaker. No, not poo-poo cut. Well, <laughs> go get yourself another one, man. I love it. Shoddy, hell no for self-check. Not in the store. Thank you. Uh, if I need, if all I need is a bottle of tequila, I'm not standing in line with a sealed bottle in my hand. No, there are certain situations where I would agree with that. I'm not doing produce at self checkout. I, I'm not doing no. I'm not doing self checkout. I'm not doing it. I'm not. So you'd rather have a crap experience? I don't. I watch for certain cashiers, and I will go to those cashiers. Yeah, that's fair. I do the same thing. I am not Absolutely. just going to Garden Variety Jimmy at the yeah, checkout. I mean, you know line. the good cashiers at the store you frequent. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, Jeremy Kelly, and check out this knuckle sandwich, Mr. Walmart reader. Please don't be violent. Why do we do that? 
Why do we... I think you're a dreg of society if you're videotaping yourself giving a Walmart employee a hard time. You're just an asshole. That's what you are, right? Yeah, I have to agree. It's not funny. It's not like... Shame. These dudes that... You know, that this guy was doing a prank video. These idiots that do these prank videos. Yeah. He's got a he's he he's got a phone and a camera in his hand. And he's walking really close to another guy, like yelling in his face. The guy pulled out a gun and shot him twice in the chest. And the guy, I can't believe you did that. And the dude was like, Well, I was in fear for my life. I don't blame the guy who shot you. I blame the dude that was following somebody around for a prank video. That it's that's your fault, dude. That is your fault. Like, I cannot stand the people who will make prank videos walking down the aisle in Walmart farting on people. <laughs> like, I don't think that's funny. It's the guy that walks around fake sneezing with a water bottle and then or a Mr. Bottle. And then gets upset when he gets physically assaulted. <laughs> like, I hate people that do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's classic. F around and find out, right? I mean, that's what it is. Raptor eighty eight. What's wrong? They were sold out of Blackhawk jerseys the day you bought that King sweater. What happened? Uh, you're absolutely right about the checker at the store. I started watching for my favorite ones. Yeah, now. dude. You know, you know you the have ones to. That, I know my favorite one. The 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 Josh Mitty one and Jerry, the worst one. Jerry at Costco is my guy, man. Yeah. I go to Jerry every time he's there. I'll wait in a longer line to go to Jerry. I will. Uh, Costco has the best checkers, OG Gary yeah. says. Yeah, and you know what I like about, and appreciate about Costco checkout experience? You got someone ringing you up, and you got someone boxing your goods. Move it along. Yep. It's not hard. OG Gary, self-checkout is absolutely the best? Nah, dude. No. no. Nah, see, that's that LSU education getting you, bro. Oh. <laughs> Dakota Tubbs, how do checkers have a dang union, but architects like me can't seem to figure that out? <laughs> Hey, that's on you. You make too much money. Y'all know how to build buildings but can't build a union. The Todd father found Jake's backup job plan, high-level cashier recruiter. Yeah, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I could write the whole job description. It's not hard. Yeah. It's not an easy job, though, by the way. Uh, Would you like me to weigh your sausage? Um, No, those are uh, brats. Thank you very much. Shouty says no checkout for me. Mike Smith says problem with self-checkout is they normally have half the space for your products after scanning. I also hate when they have an employee watching anyway, yet they still want the receipt to see a receipt. Yeah. But even at like Maverick, I must, I must miss ring things at Maverick. This morning I stopped by a Maverick to get a bucked up. Yeah. And these, I eat these things called legendary protein bars. And they're the, they're not bars. They're like pop tarts. Yeah. They're these, I love them so much. They're fruit filled. Like yeah, no, they have erythritol, but these legendary protein pop tarts, I love them so much. Yeah. And I couldn't get the thing to scan today. I, so I wound up buying, uh, the, uh, strawberry flavor that I didn't want today because I couldn't get it to like, hey, I hate take that. It. See ya. But was there anybody now? Granted, it was five oh five in the morning. Yeah. Was there anybody behind the cashier counter? There wasn't. Oh. It was annoying. Uh, Joshua Harper, with the cost of groceries, why should I have to do the employee's job as well? I got to do their job, then I should get a discount. I ain't saying you're wrong, Mike. Uh, a lot depends on the checker checker's bra size. No, it come doesn't. on, guy. Come on, dude. Be better. My problem with Walmart is you have 20 registers open and only one person working a register. Yeah. 
Yeah. Paxton, Sam's greater than Walmart. No. Never been to a Sam's. No, no, no. Never been no, to a no, Sam's. No, no, no. Never. Um, what did Mike Smith said? Uh, Bordeaux's butt paste. Uh, okay. Okay. Uh, the Big Lubbock, what's up with the morning show? We have a uh, prior engagement this afternoon that we have to attend to. So, oh, you know, it, 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 uh, anything I want, I don't know. Because we can? Because we can, and we had an appointment this morning. But there you go. Uh, I do not use self-checkout. Yeah. I do not. Yeah. I won't do... No, I'll save the other story. I'll save the other story. It's fine. Uh, the Monty Show, as always, presented by our good friends at Triday Trading, TridayTrading.com. You guys, I'm telling you, stop complaining about the life you have and start living the life you've always dreamed of. Triday Trading makes it possible. $10 30-day trial membership, and it's it's so immediate. You're in the program. You're trading in the first two days. You guys, get into it. You're going to love it. I Watching Mrs. Monty, I'm so jealous I didn't do it myself. Tridaytrading.com slash Monty. Make sure you tell them you heard about it on the Monty Show. Until Monday, say goodbye, Jake. Goodbye, Jake.